This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 223. Rex, Final Days of an Empire. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. We haven't properly taken stock of how good this set of 10 episodes is going to be. The 220s, the 221s, 222, 223. It's all good. All very good episode <laughs> titles, you know? I think I'm going to like the 330s better. <laughs> 330s. The 330s. Thir- the 330s. Thir- the 332s. The 333. <laughs> we will have devolved so much by that point that would, like by episode 300, I'll just be like, who's throwing this? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Get me into the episode. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's a so much of the show has mm-hmm. an arbitrary, yeah. weird, just throwing a dart at at the wall yeah. kind of setup. I did it, to it once, and, we just and we're still doing it four yeah. years later. <laughs> like, why do the episodes have numbers? Why would they need numbers? Yeah, there's no reason. Hey, for it that. comes They're... in handy because when people because our episode is centered around mostly like guides and stuff. When someone's like, "Hey, I want to find a guide." Someone can be like, oh, it's like in the 220s or whatever. You know? Yeah. I think it's helpful. Scroll down still. to the 220s. Yeah. 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 Okay. If you go way sure, sure, sure. back to episode 62, you can find out how stupid they were about action cards or whatever. Can we, can we like retire the first hundred episodes of the show now? Like I would say like if you are listening to, let's say you're a newer listener. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the first hundred episodes are probably not worth it anymore. I think you could throw most of those I out. Wonder, I, I wonder per- if it's hundred. I want. I, I kind of want to get a look at like what would be the cutoff point. Like what's the episode Ooh. that is the proper restart I like point, it. the reset of our stuff. I, I mean, it's probably I like the it. actual strategy guides, right? It's like when we started the second wave of strategy guides. Is that yeah, right? that's, a good, that's a good starting point. And, that's and like, I think we actually d- did a starting point for those second wave strategy guides too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's just before episode 100, it looks like. What was the first okay. one that we did? We And then there's the quest for game two. Wow, I'm just looking through old episode titles, and it's hilarious how many weird ones. Here's what it is. Okay, here's where I think you should start. All right, the start okay. of the, the, the second wave, when the episode kicks off again, you should start with expansion wish list part one, episode 80, <laughs> so that you can see how hard we nailed it with Prophecy of the Kings. You can see two episodes of us just completely crushing it in our predictions, and then you go forward from there. You get to see how smart we are. We seem really, really like ahead of the time, ahead of the curve, and then you listen to some guides from us. That's it. That's what you do. You know, we'll never ever get him to admit it, but I do think that there is a chance that Jane, that that Dane treated himself as Dane Beltrami, the designer. Yeah. That Dane put on a Santa hat and listened <laughs> to the expansion wish list episode all the way back when it happened. Oh, and oh, he kinda, oh, Matt and Hunter, <laughs> I can give you just what you want. Ooh, everything from your wish list. I have it here in this box. I can't believe. That we're on episode 223, mm-hmm. and so long ago was the one where we were, we were wishing for an expansion. Yeah. And then the whole process of the expansion 
you know, happening and yeah, us signing yeah. NDAs and, and right. work, you know, and basically <laughs> shadow designing it. I mean, <laughs> we basically it, ghost wrote it. I love that as a bit that not enough people are in on because you could say that and people are like, oh man, Hunter like kind of shadowed. I, I wish people understood how little Hunter and I took part in the alpha and beta. I straight up ignored it. <laughs> I straight up ignored it. They had me sign this NDA and I basically had no time for it. And I was yeah. like, that's cool. I hope it's good. Anyways, have fun with it. Uh, I'm busy like you know, because those were the baby days, that was baby too. Days, with, exactly. Oh, yeah, man. and I wasn't playing it because I was in baby days. There was literally yeah. no way to do any of that stuff. What are we doing today? Yeah. What's happening? Um, well, first, we need to announce that uh, t- at Tournament 4 signups mm. are happening. Mm-hmm. The, the You will be sent. You If you are in our Patreon for November, which has already passed, yep. so that window is closed now. Yep. Um, if you made it into the Patreon, which there's like about 800 people, it was yep. pretty good. Hey, pretty y'all, good we, we broke the $6,000 mark that we've been trying to break for a while. That, it's good funny because Hunter, Hunter and I have been full time for this show uh, for a while now. And the 6,000 goal, if you look at our uh, Patreon, is the at what point we are able to both be full time. And you'll notice that those two events were not in sync. <laughs> they did not <laughs> happen at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. But yeah, no, no, we're, we're going to survive. We're going to be fine. And I just want to say uh, good job. Great country to everybody. I really appreciate it. Also, just been feeling a lot of love lately because uh, my life got thrown in the trash can. Now it's in the trash can. Would I see it in the trash can. you say your life got flipped, turned upside down? And you'd got like flipped, to take turned. a minute? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Life got flipped, turned upside down. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, how it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so I, I, w- I want to say, too, no, do you want to do more of the lyrics of the song? Matt? No, I don't. Or... I definitely don't. Oh, okay. um, but <laughs> I I, I feel like we're going to have a weird month of episodes because uh, because Hunter doesn't even have like a... His recording studio is like a whole different s- setup these days. Coming to you from a hole in the wall <laughs> where I am. A, a, a sad, tiny hey, let little me room. set up here at the Denny's. And uh, yeah, yeah, this is podcasting live from the Denny's on <laughs> Oakland and Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough, but I will be back uh, in Arkansas soon. And then after our, our, being in Arkansas, well, Arkansas will be great because we'll record a bunch together. Everybody always loves it. We're in the same room. Um, and then on to New York with me. Um, so all yeah, just, you know, putting that call out again. Any uh, New Yorkers that yeah. want to play Twilight Imperium, uh, hit me up. Show, show Hunter around to your famous pizza joints. He's got to he's got to get a New York slice, you know, I got to get a, a slice of New York pizza um, I and and tell everyone about it and how good it was. <laughs> it's this is just the I, I don't know if I've made this point on the show before, but I just think it's really funny when any, anytime anyone I mean, people from Chicago do this. Yep. People from New York do this. They say like, oh, our pizza is so good. Uh, it's just funny because and everybody New Yorkers sit down Um Anyone can make pizza, actually. <laughs> it's kind of the one of the easiest, yeah. actually. Yeah. It's kind of famously easy was the original <laughs> point of pizza. You know what I mean? The original point of pizza was they just had all this leftover stuff and they just threw it on a slab of dough and then ate it. So That's it's it. just not. Yeah, doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, the, the invitations are coming out this weekend for tournament four. Saturday, December 4th at 20 UTC, 20 o'clock, Saturday evening for you Euros, Saturday afternoon for you Americans, Sunday morning for you Australians and Kiwis, 
Uh, so we tried to pick a time that hopefully everyone is like awake for, except for, uh, I, I don't know, the like three people that play TI in our tournament from India. You you all got kind of hosed. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, but Sorry, Asia. <laughs> sorry, Asia. Uh, so <laughs> the, the email will go out to your email associated with your Patreon account. Check your spam folders. It happens every year that sometimes when you send out a mass email, some emails go, oh, I don't like that. It looks like you sent this to way too many email addresses at once. I'm putting it in the spam. So double check your spam folder when at 20, 20 o'clock UTC. Um, and just like last year, the it's first come first serve of uh, people getting into either the qualifying round or the prelims. We call them weird things because the qualifying round is is like a half first round. It's not a full first mm -hmm. round. And the goal this year is to fully separate the qualifying rounds from the prelims rounds. Last year, we sort of stacked them on top of each other and said just like, ah, we just got to make every game happen. This year, the qualifiers will not be streamed by Hunter and I, or at least not uh, with a whole lot of intentionality. We will, we will do what the rest of the community did for the qualifiers last year, which is like, oh, there's a game happening. Anybody want to stream it? Oh, sure, I'll hop on that one, whatever. Hunter and I might take part in some qualifying streaming, but we will not make it our job to make sure every single qualifying game gets streamed. Those mm -hmm. games will take place from roughly January to March. They will start in January, but we can't know how many qualifying games there are until we know how many people have signed up for the tournament. The goal of our tournament is anybody who wants to sign up can get into it. It's just then a matter of scheduling the games. So the goal is we do all the qualifiers. We hopefully finish it by early to mid-March so that we can start the prelims, and then the prelims are... Every single game gets uh, hosted on Twitch and gets put on YouTube and you can watch all 36 games of the prelims on the Space Cats YouTube and then semis like, I don't know, July-ish, July-August, finals end of July-August, something like that. That's, again, it, the schedule works itself out and I cannot put firm dates in, in stone. I will say we were, we're going to try to have a firm finals date and maybe even firm semis and finals um, by the time we actually send out a scheduling email um, so that people can know if they can make the finals or whatever. Um, so I know that this whole process is kind of strange and backwards. That's why we do it under the Patreon banner, uh, because we literally Twilight Imperium requires that flexibility from us. If this were yeah. a one hour long game, we would make everything set in stone, show up at X time. That's it. If you can't yeah. make X time, you can't do it. But like, we have we steal an entire day from people and we have to have flexibility so for us to have flexibility we ask for some flexibility from you as well which is why we do it all through the patreon instead of just like a straight up tournament sign up kind of thing so that's yep. that's business set aside again december 4th Ooh. saturday 20 utc real quick before we move away from the from the business side i want to talk about uh, i just want to go back over um, the qualifier prelim thing, the way that works, because maybe maybe you don't remember how it worked last oh, sure. year. Um, so the way when the sign up goes out, there's going to be a first come first serve by round to um, the prelims. So so the very first person that signs up will be put into the prelims, not the right. qualifiers. Right. And as people sign up, eventually we will cross a threshold where everyone that sign, signs up after X slot yeah. is going to actually go into the qualifiers first, and then if they win those games, of course, onto the prelims. Right. 
um, we do not know what that threshold number right. is because it is based off the total number right. of signups. The more people that sign up, the more qualifiers we have to have and the less people that get a buy around, right? The the like the the key number is like twelve ninety six or something like that. We won't we won't hit twelve nine. We are we're not gonna have over a thousand people. We don't have over a thousand right. people in the Patreon. But um if we had ten less than that, right, we would have a ton of qualifiers and like ten people making it into the buy round. So right. work backwards from there. Last year it was something like two hundred prelim people and then like another 150 or whatever uh qualifiers i expect more i expect significantly not significantly but i expect a decent amount more qualifying games which is why we want them to be like isolated um and those again won't be scheduled games um by us those will be here's a channel on the discord qualifiers find yourselves games and we will help with that we will help get people into time slots together but we are not going to have like a set in stone schedule for the qualifiers it's going to be yeah uh, the goal with the qualifiers is sometimes there might be four games going on at once right on a given saturday if that's like the saturday everybody was available there might be a ton of games all happening at the same time there's no right. um intent to have every single game watchable at once right which is our goal with the prelims the prelims are generally we don't want any overlap i don't know if that's going to change this year or not ideally not but we'll see <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah it's, it's going to be a while before we get there which is the the weirdest thing about signing up for the tournament is that if you're going to make it into the prelims now you are signing up for a game that you're not going to play until yeah. march it so sucks. Be, be aware of that that this is you're signing up for kind of a a seven month journey yes essentially yeah um of uh, possible experiences because there isn't going to be a winner so that right. person is going to go all the way and there's gonna be six people that make it to the finals i do want to say um that i could understand someone hearing the way that this qualifier prelims thing works and being a little frustrated um one of the reasons that we started doing the invitational is that it we had enough tournament games to start building some fun stat stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i i never really want to reveal how how deep the stats go um, I think if you were paying a lot of attention, you could sort of figure it out, but you would have to break it. It would take some detective work on your part. There is a lot of fun stuff um, that is factored into uh, the invitational. Of course, there will be another invitation. Well, we're going to do the invitationals every year because it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, it's also just fun to have more people that we can say have won tournaments. Um, however, I want to say this. Uh, if you're if you're bummed out that you're like, ah, oh, I'm in the qualifier. I didn't didn't get into the prelims. People that win the qualifiers and go on to the prelims get a kind of stat bonus yep. in the overall factoring right. for uh, invitational stuff. And I think you could figure that out by actually looking at the Who 36 people that were invited yeah. to the invitational. Uh, winning a qualifier and then w winning a prelims and getting yourself into the semis is a really good way yep. to do quite well on the stats page. So in a way, people that get just into the prelims they're hurt a little bit on the stats thing. They have mm -hmm. to do even better than a qualifier person would if right. they get into the semifinals. Right. So yeah. at the end of the day, it's all, I mean, you're getting a good game. The point of the tournament as a player to me is the intent of sitting down at a table with five other people and being guaranteed a game where everyone's playing for the win. Now, yeah. that, you, some people play pretty goofy in the tournament, but generally speaking, at the very least, everyone's there to play to win. And it's with, you know, it's with strangers. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's all worth it in the end because it's just like it's you're only committing to a game and then maybe you get lucky and make it through to the next round or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. 
or maybe you're really good and you're you're practicing all the time getting ready for your game and then yeah and then you're really gonna make a go of it or you're really good and you're practicing all the time for your games and then you uh get win made against yeah you're, uh, you're really brutal. good and your name is even slightly recognizable so all five of the other players in your game work actively against you the whole time <laughs> yeah hey uh good luck this year teddy yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> just want to go ahead and throw it out there yeah. that's just how it works though yeah. you know uh somebody wins a game and then everybody is just like oh well you were the winner last year so we're not gonna let you win this time which is why i think it's so impressive that i want to call back to this um you know a lot of the past winners in Tournament 3, uh, Nine of Spades and uh, Duke Lukem, uh, got really close to winning their prelims games. Yeah. Which, if you think about it, is actually pretty insane. Because if you won an entire tournament, then those other five players were aware of that the entire time, and mm -hmm. yet you still almost won. That's how good yeah. these people are. And I realize that, to them, they might hear that and be like, well, I, but I didn't win. Yeah. But I do think it's pretty crazy to win a game where you have so much heat on you yeah you know yeah um which is why like i always think every time i win that's pretty crazy because i'm on the show you know what i mean yeah. like yeah. i might even be better than i think or anyone thinks i am because i mean I'm i have no idea any what games that feels like i don't win yeah yeah win. so it's like that's, yeah, it yeah, seems I, cool it seems like a cool feeling to experience it's pretty cool i mean i think <laughs> low-key i am the best twilight imperium player of all time it's just no one you know we it's don't like, have a metric to judge it against, so who could know? We just don't have a way to figure it know? out, you know? Um, I mean, I could take maybe all of the video I have of myself winning <laughs> and only upload those to YouTube and make it look like my win percent is 100. <laughs> is that what I've been doing? Mm. I don't know. You be the judge. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, so that's enough strategy talk for today. Guess what? It's a Galactic Council episode. Uh, we've had a lot of business to get through, but guess what? The Galactic Council banded together... And some people that were wanting to vote for a third option took a deal with some lore heads, took a deal with the lore nuts, and uh, coalesced together to give us today's episode of Rex, the final days of the Empire. To make it clear, there is a debt owed. Next month, we will put uh, Sidereal Confluence back in the poll because it's the Sidereal Confluence people who gave up their votes for lore in exchange for right. the lore heads to return the favor next month. Do I think Sidereal Confluence is going to win next month? Probably not, but maybe me saying it <laughs> gives them the gusto they need to make it happen. There's a lot more Galactic Counselors going into next month, so way more people That's there true. to vote. So who knows what happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I like that uh, coming out of the uh, war arc we, it seems like the Galactic Council has gotten way more political yeah. with the way well, that they in, talk about In warring against us, they learned how to work together. Together. And that's yep. the true beauty of it all. That, that was always my intention <laughs> when I wrote the war art. <laughs> which uh, should be, honestly, nominate me for an Emmy. Yeah. I think I should get an Emmy yeah. for it. At for, least a Webby. You know, yeah, at least a Webby for daytime drama. <laughs> All right, well, let's do let's do this. So so what is Rex Final Days of an Empire? Uh, this was a board game published by Fantasy Flight Games uh, in something like 2000. I, I should have the thing pulled up, but I don't. Um, but it was the story goes that Fantasy Flight uh, acquired the rights to the gameplay of Dune, the mechanics of the Dune board game. But they did not get the IP rights to Dune, the uh, top selling book franchise. Um, Why? So how did that? Well, how does that even make sense? I Matt? don't know, man. What does that I, even mean? Yeah, I don't know. I they 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 got Peter Olatka to agree to let them make a game. Is about as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. um, and mechanically, but can you even? 
this would be like if I was saying I got the rights to the words in the Harry Potter book, <laughs> but not Harry Potter. I have the Just rights all to the words Dobby. In the book. The Do- Dobby's mine. I've got Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't have anything else in Harry Potter. Don't, don't we, I mean, Harry Pot, Pot something. We can't say his name. I can only say Dobby. Well, yeah. Okay. So that's what it is. It's like if you got the rights to Harry Potter, but none of the proper nouns. Yes. So like, <laughs> it's all of the words in between the verbs, the prepositions, like all of that is you have that, but you just have to replace every single noun yeah. with, yeah. you know. So that's it's what the be Rex... Gary Gary Hotter or whatever. <laughs> Gary's Hotter. Uh, so the Rex board game, uh, 2012. Is, is the year on that. Th- that is their attempt to put the Dune board game into uh, the Twilight Imperium universe. And the setting they gave it is a pretty a pretty smart one, which is, um, you know, Dune takes place of this this empire kind of slowly fracturing and the, uh, the conflicts happening on the planet of Arrakis. Dune, desert planet, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. So they took the conflict... Uh, that set off what's I think called the Twilight Wars. It's before the Twilight Wars. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up a lot of lore today. I didn't do enough research in Absol. I give you permission to scold me. But Galact- uh, hey hey, I just want to throw this out there. We promise with the Galactic Council episodes that we don't really prep them. So yeah, we don't. As far as I'm concerned, this is this is what you've been promised. <laughs> <laughs> the point of the story so far is the Lazax Empire, which does not appear in twilight imperium it is instead the l1z1x empire they're like the borg replacements of the lazax um the the lazax empire has control of mechatorex they are the galactic empire that everyone else swears fealty to um but they have been fracturing for some decades now and the story of rex is on the planet of mechatorex everyone is firing off and officially starting the rebellion against the galactic empire um so Hmm. there's there's a long short story included with rex um it's very long actually uh and we i i am in the process of recording uh, a sort of audiobook version of it Uh, we thought about attaching it to this episode but the project um absol and i have been talking about for a while is the idea of putting uh separate things up into the podcast feed uh, that are just specifically lore dumps of just us reading the lore for people that, you know, maybe don't want to take the time to read it themselves or can't read it themselves for whatever reasons, but would like it read to them. Um, so we're going to do that. I'm going to dump that thing um, this exact same week. Hopefully it's going to come out at like the same time as this episode uh, if I can get it recorded in time um, and edited. But it's it's I'm going to read that short story, but I'll give the gist of that short story before we get into the rest of this. The short story is this very long thing about these four Lazax, uh higher ups diplomats admirals whatever they're they're lifelong friends and uh they're all dying because their planet is under siege and uh it's them trying to traverse through and escape uh the horrors of this planet that has turned to hell two quick questions uh matt because i don't know anything about lore sure. um so i'm gonna play the dumb guy for all of the all yeah. the people that are the same way sure uh what uh i realized the Lazax become the l1z1x what do they look like vanilla sans the borg stuff they are these tall bipedal uh beings with four arms and big wide heads big old i mean you can look at the the l1z1x thing and the facial structure is roughly the same right minus all the bits and bops of electronics um but they wear these big goofy crowns on their giant ears and they've got big mean green faces uh and yeah they got they got four arms that's fun hey four arms woohoo it's an alien 
Yeah, they sound like over the top, like kind of space elves or yeah. space dark elves to me a little bit. Right. Um, and then second of all, you're saying that their their city is being bombarded. Uh, is this is this taking place on Mechatol Rex? Yes. Or it's, there okay. is a city on Mechatol Rex called Mechatol City, and it is like a. Mo- I mean, think about what's the what's the city planet in Star Wars where like the Coruscant. Entire, yeah, Coruscant. It's definitely Coruscant. It's it is the basically the thing, Coruscant basically. of the of the Mechatol. Uh, or of the Twilight Imperium universe, like the, it is this. It's not a citywide planet, but it is a massive, massive, massive city. It's four thousand miles east to west, right? So like mm-hmm. some some sixteen thousand square mile city. Yeah, yeah. Um. So uh, Soul has been bombarding it for uh, weeks now, and what gets revealed in the story is a little bit more of the details of essentially the the mutiny and subterfuge that has been going on underneath. Lazax, the Lazax Empire's nose this whole time. Think of Lazax Empire like you think of the Empire in Foundation. If you have watched that recent uh, Apple Plus show or read the books, it's a it's a famous uh, Isaac Asimov sci-fi, and this is ripped straight from it. It's like the exact same, which is to say, the Empire has ruled for so long and so many generations that it has gotten so comfortable in its position that it can't see the writing on the wall right in front of them of their, mm. their upcoming failure. Um, mm. It's revealed in this very long short story uh, that uh, the Jolnar have been working with the Soul, have been working with the Hakan, have been working with the Sardak Nor to undermine uh, the Lazaks and plan for 70 years they've been planning this attack on Mechatol City and uh, getting their own people out so that they can start bombarding only Lazaks and whatnot. And so that that's the gist of what that story covers is like the on the ground events of uh you know betrayal and whatnot there's there's a bunch of stuff about a character named vel sid who is a famous lazax that uh saw it all coming and was ignored uh and fled before the attacks could take place basically and is labeled a coward because that's what empires do when people are right (laughs) it's it's interesting that in this story that is uh it's uh, you know backstory for this board game where everyone, it's like probably one of the most cutthroat uh, games I've ever experienced. Yeah. Uh, that essentially the story is that there was this giant empire and it is overthrown by just some people working together. Like it's it's yeah. it's an alliance that is what uh, sets up, sets the stage for the actual game Twilight Imperium. Yeah. That's funny to me, yeah. to be yeah. honest. Well, and it's, it's, I feel like there's some disconnect to it all because, um, I mean, at the end of the day... The actual story we know about all of this is that the Lazaks fall completely. So the idea that Lazaks is a playable faction in this game, I don't know what it means when a Lazaks player wins a game of Rex, you know, like in fiction. Right. It's like, okay, you did that. Cool. You held the city. You are still going to lose because we have a board game set thousands of years later where you don't exist anymore. So uh, hmm. whatever that looks like. <laughs> Maybe if you win, you create an alternate universe though, where the Lazax <laughs> never fell, Matt. Have yeah. you considered maybe, that would, maybe that's what it is? Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I really like all this talk, too, of, of living in an empire crumbling that can't see the writing on the walls because it's, it's just something that I can't relate to my real life, you know? In my living in an empire that is on its last legs but can't see the writing on the mm-hmm. wall i we're just t- don't know we're too big to fail they often would say as the lazax ah, empire too big yes. to fail yes 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 uh, a crumbling empire wow wow what a what a novel idea 
Um, hard to transport myself to that with mm -hmm. my mind, but mm -hmm. I will try to use my imagination, Matt, to imagine an empire crumbling or an empire getting too comfortable. And that's weird. <laughs> How why would that happen? Um, uh, so if you look at in history, most empires uh, just go forever, like yeah. Rome. Stay wildly paranoid and 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 succeed at thwarting all uh, upheavals. Right, that's that is the history of all empires. I'm pretty sure that's history. That's how it worked. Rome, yep. United States. That's it. That's it. Those are the two. Um, so let's get into the the stuff we want to read today. Is uh, there are six playable factions in Rex. Uh, there's the Lazax Empire themselves. There's the Federation of Soul, who are the ones bombarding the planet and really being kind of the military force behind uh this actual uh uh mutiny or whatever you want to call it there's the barony of which actually i feel like their presence isn't very much in that short story so when we get to reading the barony of we're going to learn what's really going on with them in all of this because I, I don't feel like i know as much there's the hakan who are of course i mean uh, uh the the monetary vehicle behind all backdoor politics so we can assume right. they're involved uh, the they're Joel, in on it, but they're yeah. probably also not in on it, too. You know what I mean? They're probably playing every side. That's what's fun about money cats. Yeah. Uh, the Jolnar are mentioned a lot in the fiction, and they are, um, you know, they they were like the technological center. The, the Lazax grew um, greedy off of the technological backs of the Jolnar, and the Jolnar were one of the first to back out of the Empire, and they are the ones who actually kind of maybe planted the seed of all of this upheaval uh, long ago and and in pulling their defenses from Mechatol, they, they are the ones who have left the Lazax sort of defenseless. Um, and then there's the Extra Kingdom, which is another one I don't know a whole lot of their involvement in all of this. So we're going to read all of their faction cards because those are not anywhere close to as long and then we can use each of those as jumping off points to, to talk to figure this stuff out. All right. Well, yeah. So we're we're just gonna cut over to the to the first yeah. one. What, what, what are we, which one are we doing first, man? Lazix Empire. Let's start with where it all begins and ends. The unthinkable had become reality. The emperor is dead, killed by soul bombs, and with him most of the Lazax supreme leadership. It's. I want to do this like Kronk. <laughs> from Emperor's uh, New Groove, actually. I wish I could do <laughs> okay. that. It seems the dying curse of the Mahak had reached in the mists of time to punish their usurpers at last. I can't. I can't That's I can't. not a bad Patrick Warburton. Yeah, it's not, I, it's I feel not all right horrible. about it. The poison. The poison for Cusco. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, Matt. Thanks. <laughs> uh, as news of the atrocities on Mechatol Rex spread, the pillars of Lazic's power across the galaxy began to splinter. No less than nine distant relatives of the Psychorian dynasty, none residing on Mechatorex, have declared themselves the rightful heir to the imperial throne. As stars in the darkening sky, reports of local uprisings seem to appear everywhere. Several great races have initiated major military provocations, or worse, as in the case of Soul Federation, have declared outright war on the Empire. As chaos gains momentum, the disparate but still mighty Lazix military has found itself without a clear chain of command. Some fleets and powerful regional PDF commanders have declared themselves for one imperial claimant or the other, but most Lazix military commanders have not yet taken decisive action. Many lean towards a declaration of galaxy-wide martial law and the formation of strict Lazax military rule on Mechatol Rex until it is returned to Lazax control and imperial succession firmly in place. Although the Soul attack was masterfully coordinated and undoubtedly caused great injury to the Lazax, the resource 
The resources of the Empire remain vast. On Mechatorex, the Lazex PDF commander Garion Sai Hearn has swiftly coordinated stiff resistance across several important sectors of Mechatol City. By his orders, advanced Lazex naval units have begun harassing the Soul Blockade, and columns of heavy mechanized units have been marshaled from undercity depots in support of the ground resistance. Swallowing pride by necessity, Cyhern has made clandestine arrangements with the Hakan for transportation and safe passage of Lazex reinforcements from the Gull satellites of June and Samani. Most importantly, as enemy bombardments continue unabated, most of Rex's economy and crucial supply depositories remain in the hands of indigenous Lazex or Imperial sympathizers intent on funneling as much support and wealth as possible to Cy Hearn's forces. Garion Cy Hearn is aware the crisis has spread far beyond Rex, and he guesses the danger it poses may now be an existential one. He knows the Empire will never be as it once was that only through the perception of control, exemplified by the mastery of Mechatol Rex, will his people survive as a relevant power, or perhaps survive altogether. All right, very uh, good job, Matt. You're a good I, reader. I, I, that, that was long enough that I lost any sense of uh, a goofy voice, and I just had to start reading it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you had a Patrick Warburton thing you're going to do for two seconds, and then you were like, yeah, well, we just got to get this done. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's funny the way that this is all written, like, in that I almost feel, because the situation is being described as so bad for the Lazax, that uh, when you're reading it, I almost feel like, oh, it doesn't really sound like they're the bad guys. And yeah. I think in general, I kind of feel that because the Lazax, in the lore that I've experienced... Um, even though they are an, an empire to fall, you're not really given why yeah. they they why it is necessary for them to uh, to fall or why what motivates right. uh, the the soul Jolnar yeah. alliance coup d'état type deal. Um, so it's interesting to for you to read that, and it just sounds like oh, it sounds like it's just like rough for them. And also, it's funny because the Lazax do. I like the that ending paragraph because it's kind of like a nice bit of foreshadowing because of course the Lazax do survive right. just as a technological uh, right. fusion type species, which also is that explained how what? that happens, how the L one happens. It does. It's explained in Twilight Imperium, the, like in the L one sheet, you get an explanation mm -hmm. of like where they've been. It's just like the the few Lazics that escaped uh, and started playing with technology a bit too much, and then the Necro are like even further from that. I do think we did get our answer though too of how they how they justify the events of Rex and it's that well in this in we are very much on the ground in in the board game mm -hmm. of Rex right most of mm -hmm. this lore is very specific to the events unfolding in Mechatol City and so we our focus is on this Cy Hearn guy who's like listen if we have any hope it's gaining control of Mechatol City and then we'll go from there and we get to right. look at that and go okay even if you win well you're not going to go anywhere from there because the battle rages far beyond just this cityscape that's a that's kind of an interesting um like specific scope for a board game yeah that this is this board game is just taking place in one battle it's like the opposite of twilight imperium where <laughs> twilight imperium is zoomed out right the, at the very beginning uh these it's it's as if like every round is like a hundred years i feel yeah, like with right. with how twilight imperium is put together whereas this like seems like you know it's a single battle that is being decided so it's right. a matter of days right um yeah i don't know it, interesting 
I think it's good. I, I like getting a little bit to Lazex, but like you say, I, I almost genuinely want more of, like, like with POK, we get the Mahakt, right? And we know that Mahakt is the empire that preceded the Lazex, but we also right. get a lot of information about why the Mahakt were pretty terrible <laughs> to work for yeah. and to be under. And they also are villainous in just yeah. how they operate. They just yeah. have a, a, a natural villainy uh, to them. They literally wear, like, capes and stuff. They yeah. just look like bad, <laughs> uh, you know, bad dudes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, with the Lazex, I feel like, uh, I don't know, I almost wish that there was a way to reincorporate the Lazex. Like, maybe, um, maybe me, M Matt, maybe me and you should do some sort of uh, time travel scenario. <laughs> Might be fun. I've been Yeah, it's fun about. that they've given a vehicle for that. Like, the Nomad existing means, like, we can do literally whatever we want in the Twilight and Miriam yep. universe at this point. Like, t mm -hmm. time travel and interdimensional travel exists, so, like, literally nothing is off the table. Yeah, I think we should do that. I was telling you this before we started recording. I think we should do a we should design a scenario where the and this is all I have right now is the lore, but a SCPT made scenario where the lore is that the nomad has traveled back in time to the fall of the Lazex, which was already a scenario, right? Mm -hmm. But now we are writing like sort of a sequel scenario where nomad has traveled back in time in order to change history. Right. Not sure why, but what you don't need to know why. That's the thing about the nomad is mysterious yeah. you know to change history that's why who, who mm -hmm. and what we get on the other side is what we get just for the heck of it i guess uh let's get into uh the the chief aggressors of this conflict the federation of soul and maybe they will open our eyes to uh why they're so bombastic about just overthrowing the lazix I'm gonna do this one in a southern accent because that's my Federation of Soul voice. That's what I always do, okay? Okay. Throughout history, the simian species of humans have reacted adversely to bondage or imposed limitation of any kind. Since they joined the Galactic Council during the third millennia of the Lazix Empire's expansion, humankind found vassalship to the Lazix an uncomfortable coupling at best. During the Age of Dusk, the Empire's expansion began to lessen, and territorial assertions of the great races began to collide with those of others. The Soul Federation were the first among the discontented. The Lazix, largely unconcerned, sought to solve disputes between the Empire's denizens by what was perceived as increasingly inconsistent and arbitrary rulings. Though Soul was not alone among the great races to begin serious armament and large-scale mobilization during the Age of Dusk, it was a it was the among the most aggressive and blatant in violating imposed militarization limits. The Quan conflict and Mandu edict were but the sparks that lit the tinder of Sol's rebellious predisposition. When the high minister declared Sol's independence, he was greeted by universal support and jubilation by almost every George state and Sol out system colony. The short-term abdication consequences were virtually non-existent. The Seoul administration had correctly guessed that little remained of the iron will and fierce ideology that had made the Lazix the masters of the stars. The once formidable sovereignty of the Lazix had become bloated and vast bureaucracies and its military branches controlled by a quibbling Lazix nobility whose wealth had grown beyond comprehension. A complacency harvested by 30 millennia of unbroken rule had blinded the Lazix to the cracks forming in the foundation of their empire. Foundation. Foundation. Get it? Foundation. Okay. The Federation leadership knew Soul's obstinacy would go would not go unpunished forever. 
and eventually the inbred behemoth that was the Lazic's empire would bare its teeth, and even a fully mobilized soul federation could not hope to stand against the roused wrath of the empire. Soul's leadership concluded they had little choice but to go on the offensive, hoping to pull more races into the abdication and stretch the empire's resources so far it would tear itself apart. When the Jolnar's headmasters offered Sol access to a powerful new drive technology, Admiral Steen Grayson <laughs> suggested <laughs> the unthinkable to the Sol leadership, a surprise strike at the heart of Lazic's hegemony, a blow aimed to shatter the brittle stone that the Empire had become. In the year 73 AT, hmm, <laughs> the Sol Federation's third expeditionary force, consisting of more than 700 warships equipped with new Jolnar Type 2 mass drives. That's funny. Type 2. By Twilight Imperium, yeah. we have Type 4 drives. That's type the name four. of the mm. Dreadnought upgrade. Type 2 mass drives furtively entered the Gull system and commenced their historic attack on Mechatol Rex. Within hours, the Lazix Emperor was dead, the Imperial administration in disarray, and the battle for Mechatol Rex begun. Uh, sorry, uh, that, that that was all very good. I loved it, Matt. But honestly, Type 2 Drive, uh, just I just got another idea. Yeah, this okay, great. You read this, and then I just have unrelated ideas. <laughs> you just come up ideas. with new game ideas. Sorry. That's, that's the thing. So, scenario. This is fun. This is would be a really fun homebrew thing. Do So, like, one of the things that's not very fun about the Fall of the Lazak scenario in uh, TI3 is that it doesn't really feel that different enough. I feel, yeah, I feel yeah. like it should have more wild stuff about it right um so how about this you got to design a scenario where actually you know what we can just incorporate this in our time travel scenario so nomad goes back in time okay nomad has ti4 pok technology yeah right the right. other the other factions in the scenario do not we yeah. have to find a way to downgrade the tech tree right and make all of the tech less effective at what it does <laughs> so that nomad can be like a superpower just because they have access to normal ti4 tech that's like funny. how fun is that right just to come up with a word everyone only has one movement no matter what and there's no way to get better <laughs> well and, and and here i got it for you right now so how i would downgrade the dreadnoughts is they don't start with capacity and then type 2 just gives them capacity that's yeah. it yeah no movement so, no nothing Actually, that might be such a bad downgrade that it's not even worth getting the type I think two, the but point, you I think, get my point. I think in all of this, what we're getting, what would be good is to uh, limit the size of the galaxy map overall for this scenario. This mm -hmm. is like a rumble in the jungle, you know. A, 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 yeah. <laughs> a what's the wrestling rumble. thing? What's the what's the cages? I don't know. Whatever. Cage match. Well, yeah, I know, but there's match. like a thing. There's a there's a specific event, but I don't remember what it's called. Doesn't matter. Uh, WrestleMania. You're talking about WrestleMania? <laughs> no. But Royal doesn't. Rumble. Uh, <laughs> WrestleMania? Is it no, WrestleMania? It's not WrestleMania. Anyways, the okay. point being... Uh, I would like a, a Twilight Imperium scenario that is on a limited map of this time travel idea. And that's how you yeah. like, restrict the text so much. It's like, well, the map is smaller. It doesn't need to go as far. Nobody needs to be able to do as much. Maybe uh, maybe this will be the next Homebrewers Guild project once we get through yeah. into the new a, year. A, a that full be fun. scenario. We just yeah, do scenarios. We've almost exhausted all of the like components you can do slight modifications to. So it's like about time to start doing crazier stuff. Also, I feel like when uh, POK came out, we were promised uh, many more codexes with scenarios attached, yeah. and I haven't gotten enough uh, scenario fun, <laughs> honestly. To be it's honest, true. I could, I could use many. I, I think the idea of a of a TI scenario 
is more exciting than like someone designing a bunch of new factions. Yeah. Take what I already know, put it in a different context. I'm a lot more interested in that because I have to learn so much less, For you sure. know, in order to uh, enjoy it. Yeah. Um, sorry, got a sidetrack <laughs> uh, talking about something else. Yeah. But uh, we, and now I don't even really remember any of the things. Well, you we, just read, we maybe, got to be part of our we got part of our answer, which is why what's so bad about the Lazax? Well, they're lazy. They've been late. They've had the they've had control for a millennia that they've turned it into to just this boring bureaucracy. There's a little bit. I get a, just enough. And Soul has this in general i get a little bit of like maybe soul is kind of the fascist people in this unit like hmm. i mean barony is obviously probably going to have some of that too but like there's a certain level of like y'all got so bureaucratic you forgot about military might and that feels a little on the nose to me sure. uh, for a uh, burgeoning fascist empire yeah i mean what's so bad about laziness like especially <laughs> it, like i wish i lived in a lazier time to be I honest i yeah. wish i just lived in a time of you know bureaucracy uh yeah it's lame uh mm -hmm. no, nobody's like oh i wish things were more bureaucratic all the time actually you know what i do i, I do I wish, wish that kind I of wish specifically that was the main <laughs> problem in life is bureaucracy oh this uh, bureaucracy well uh, but i don't want to live in like a like a you know like brazil i wouldn't want to live in a world like that where sure. things are so bureaucratic that it's just uh, ridiculous and everybody's yeah. just passing the buck to each other that what a great movie um haven't seen it in a while <laughs> yeah real be, good. to be clear i'm just saying brazil the movie not brazil the country <laughs> no 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 that was not yeah that was <laughs> not, not a dig <laughs> at our brazilian <laughs> listeners no no brazil the terry gilliam movie yes. if you've never seen it it's uh it's quite good yeah um but yeah, uh, I I think that that yeah it it it's something that is kind of interesting about Ti uh, lore in general is it feels like there's this conscious choice to kind of make all everyone kind of sound like the bad guy yeah to me yeah, like right. most of the time when you read into them it's like oh uh oh like a lot yeah. of a lot of questionable stuff here which is funny that then whenever uh, Tim Pratt went to write the first book. Yeah, uh, it was like, oh, uh, so who who's gonna be the good guys? Well, I guess we'll pick the pirates because I'm looking over all of these different factions. <laughs> Maybe they're and they the all only ones with noble goals. <laughs> yeah, fairly evil. I think the pirates, by comparison, are maybe a little less evil. So we'll go with pirates. Pirates are at least fun, right? Everybody loves a pirate. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's discover if uh, we can get even more fascist than the Federation of Soul. And I'm I'm genuinely curious of Barony Letnev's place in all of this because it's it's I haven't come across it like at all, so I don't un oh. I don't know what Barony is doing. So in excited Rex. for the accent, gimme! Oh no. <laughs> I just remember what I'm supposed to do. I was about to go I really, in the third deep of Ark Prime no, Vlofs, but that's no, not what it is. That's not bad. That doesn't even make any what sense. They, yeah, that's, that's not, not what, what they, they sound like. like. <laughs> yeah. When are we going to get in those books? We need to get... Yeah. We, there, there has to be just a little nod. Yeah. Like, there just has to be. Need it. So bad. Anyways, go ahead. In the third deep of Ark Prime... <laughs> I'm not even going to hear a single word you're saying. <laughs> the just, 18th. I just want to go and say. The Baron of Litnev has awaited the days of reckoning with ill-contained wrath. Ever since he slit the throat of his father at age 19, Vlos had presided over a populace as near to revolt as to starvation. The Baron is keenly aware of the shadow. The Baron is keenly aware that the shadows may soon leap out for his thro own throat, should he not manage to improve the lot of the Letnev and feed their ambition for glory and conquest. 
When his father burned the ancient papers of submission in the wake of the Quan conflict nearly 70 years prior, the old man expected a military response from the Lazics. Such a response would have allowed Vlos's father to unite the sparring Letnev dynasties and, more importantly, give him more direct authority over the Simfen. There are so many of their things, like, properly, they sound right in an Irish accent. I'm just saying. Yep, yep. The it's powerful there. Letnev's... There's, the Gaelic, there's like a, a Gaelic thing happening with the name. Yeah. yeah. The powerful Letnev security force, whose assassins and operatives, uh, operatives infiltrated nearly every echelon of the Empire. Instead, the intolerable Lazics hit the barony with a range of cowardly trade embargoes and out-planet asset seizures. Unlike the Soul Federation, who had also abdicated at the time, uh, such measures bit the Letnev deep. Despite its incredible metallurgical wealth... Orc Prime suffered from chronic foodstuff and water shortages, and worse, the <gasps> unstated ambitions of its warrior nobility. What? Was it maybe some sort of famine? Perhaps <laughs> some sort a of potato famine. Potato famine. <laughs> <laughs> Only a few short months ago, by word of the Simfin masters, Vlos learned of Soul's assault on Mechatorex. In this, Vlos tasted the day long awaited. With only months to spare, the Baron wasted no time. As the humans would strike their dagger into the heart of the Empire, Letnef raiders would be ready to assault vital neighboring systems. Here, they would reap food sources and slaves bolstering the Letnev engine of war that Vlos meant to unleash on the galaxy. While his ambition far exceeds the conquest of a single planet, Vlos understands that ceding a trophy such as Mechatorex to the humans would be unwise. To, to counter the sole power grab Vlos has, with the support of the Simfin, smuggled hundreds of capable operatives and thousands of Letnev special forces to the surface of Mechatorex. Secretly encased in shipping containers or covertly undercover in Mechatol City, they await the days of reckoning. Should the situation warrant additional attention, the Baron has arranged for military transportation to Mechatorex by means of the Hakan Giznata group. Hungry for access to the metals of Orc Prime, the opportunist felines have guaranteed safe delivery of additional Letnev forces despite possible objections by third parties. The days foreseen are surely at hand, and when that hour finally comes, the Baron of Letnev intends to plunge a spear deep into the side of already wounded galaxy. You know, this is the first time I realized that there is a Baron of the barony of Letnev. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm an idiot for just realizing that now, but I, yeah, I just didn't think about. I think Airdane made, or somebody, Absol or Airdane, or maybe somebody else entirely made like a wonderful graphic that showcases the hierarchy of the barony of Letnev and like how it, how it breaks down, and it's it's kind of interesting. It's a, it's a weird structure. Um, so there's your answer to what's going on with barony. The reason they're not very present in the the previous lore we received is because the barony is not in on it, right? We're talking about this sort of this little uh, sneaky stuff that Sol and Jolnar and Hakan have been up to, and Barony's not on any of their sides. They're they're also kind of an evil empire that's not uh, a part of it, but they're going to take advantage of the situation that Sol has opened up and try to strike their own uh, spear into the heart of the Lazix empire. Yeah, well, okay, so here's what I'm getting sidetracked on. How come, how come the hero... Mm -hmm. Or the barony in uh, Prophecy of Kings is not described as a baron, or is that the baron of? The I don't. Letnev? I don't think any of the heroes are generally regarded as like the highest 
uh, ranking official in the empire. It's just like a person of legend, right? So it's not necessary that the 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 hero it is to me in okay <laughs> but i think the hero in in uh barony's case is like just this amazing high-ranking admiral right that that is capable yeah. of so much i mean it makes sense especially for the ability that they've that they've given the hero mm -hmm. in uh in uh pok yeah but still i just want to have a character that i can refer to as the baron because a, right. a baron everybody loves a good baron you know right right yeah everyone loves a good stellan skarsgård you know it's also just hard, hard i wonder I did not really think about this that much before, but I guess Barony of Letnev is probably very inspired by the Harkonnen. I mean, yeah. like... Well, so in, it, in Rex's situation, as a game, yeah, Barony is taking the place of the Harkonnen in the mechanics of Dune, right? They have all of the exact same mechanics that Harkonnen has. I, I wonder how much the Barony itself is based off of House Harkonnen. I don't, I don't know enough about House, House Harkonnen's structure <laughs> to know if that tracks... Yeah, I don't know. That's that's hard to say. I feel like um, I feel like they're both they both kind of have that uh, that Irish thing going on. You know, they're both heavily Irish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, this you, is a long hear the air that no longer makes sense to people. I don't care. Yeah. I do not care <laughs> if you if you are just finding out about our Irish Letnev thing. It actually makes uh, the bit better. If you were to try to correct us on the influences, it kind of makes the bit funnier to me. So That's true, yeah. But it's just like this total Irish thing they're going for. Yeah. You can just see it in all the iconography, yeah. the color choice, you know, cultural <laughs> stuff. It's just that classic Irish fascist stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like I liked linking uh, the Barony story in this to uh hakan here who hakan is just like listen man whatever gets me a dollar i don't care <laughs> like hakan right. is barely even necessarily like trying to take over the throne at this point in the story like in in the twilight imperium time it's like okay maybe we can be the emperors of the galaxy but in this right. moment hakan is just trying to make a quick buck off of literally everybody they're like lazax yeah. you need to ship people from off planet come on down harkonnen you're trying to get your medal from your planet yeah 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 yeah. everybody will help everybody out soul you need help bombing okay sure and they're just like playing literally everyone yeah that's a, that's a trope that's so easy i feel yeah. like to to relate to and understand you know just like just like yeah, just de just deal and trade with everybody, yeah. and just make money no matter what. And then they, you know, what's funny though, because like uh, the Hakan, uh, I feel like is kind of analogous to the Spacing Guild in Dune. Yes. And what's interesting is in Dune, there's an explanation for why the Spacing Guild could just be this neutral party that everybody wants uh -huh. to be friends with, because that's how you you literally can't dr like do interstellar travel without the Spacing Guild. Right. What does Hakan have yeah. that gives them that? <laughs> ability you know like yeah. i'm not sure i understand uh like they have the ability guild ships in pok right uh, but to me that did not mean like they're ferrying people around but i don't know we really should have just invited absol to come back to, to answer, this, these answer these questions yeah <laughs> well what's fun is uh here in a bit we're gonna read three more of these but then absol provided us with some quiz questions to answer after having gotten through all of this that we can fail miserably on i'm very excited for that brief oh segment. i love it perfect yeah. perfect um, uh matt do we maybe need to do a quick ad break though before yes. we get into the next one let's do that and then we'll we'll hit it up with the emirates of hakan So the Hakan sheet uniquely starts with like a bit of like lore text in front of the lore text. There's an excerpt from Market Cycles by Carrion Robon II. So there's a little piece from some Hakan 
uh, nonfiction here at the top. <clears throat> I don't have an accent for Hakan. I wouldn't dare try. <laughs> for a trader to flourish beyond current successes, he must embrace change. For it is change that originates both source and market, opening the void between them where the merchant prospers. Yet one must beware, despite innovative contracts, monopolizing conditions, or clever manipulation of price and supply, any lucrative exploit between economic attractors will in time lessen and ultimately close. The wise merchant, therefore, always must look to the trade winds that favorably replace an existing product with a fresh opportunity. <clears throat> and here's, here's how it continues. This is, this is no longer the excerpt. Through their widespread trade networks, the Hakan leadership have long sensed the impending upheaval in the fabric of the empire. Thus far, it has not overly concerned them. Uh, it has not overly concerned them. As a general rule, upheaval is not anathema to the general trade, only to certain goods and the pricing of others. What does concern the Hakan, however, has been the increased Lazic's reliance on trade embargoes as punishment to dissenters. Through most of the Empire's trading history, the costs of breaching Lazak's trade restrictions were sufficient to halt trade pursuits in affected regions. However, in recent decades, where no less than three major civilizations have been declared non-fabrica ports of call, the scales were shifting. Those broad imperial embargoes against Sol, Jolnar, and the Letnev have sent a deep chill through the galaxy's commercial activity. For the first time in ages, significant segments of Hakan cargo haulers were sitting idle, and the reduction in transaction velocities had forced the financier tribes to make cuts in both short-term funding and broader investments, further dampening commercial activity. Though the teachings of Robon II embraces the virtue of market change, they are short on guidance for the merchant himself as an active agent of change. The current carry-on, White Slaw, that's the craziest name. W A E C H <laughs> space S L A. White Slaw <laughs> has concluded the Hakan must become such agents while staying true to its old creeds whenever possible. As the Soul Fleet rushed towards Mechatol, it did so relying on Hakan trading fleets for its logistical needs. Yet, to the Federation's impending surprise, the Hakan does not consider Soul its only customer in the matter of the Mechatol siege. <laughs> With complete control over shipping routes to the Gull system, the sole purveyor of supplies to Mechatol's surface, the Hakan are not inclined to turn down lucrative offers from invested parties. In fact, White Slaw ponders what gains would lie in a greater change, one in which the Hakan took the reins of the Empire and led the galaxy to prosperity through commerce. I think we just got our answer there a little bit as a to why bit. everyone relies on the Hakan, because it sounds like they are, if you want to ship anything... Yeah. To anywhere they just control the lanes i guess right, right. they just they've invested the most in the shipping of goods i do feel like this is the weakest lore that we've got so far it feels yeah. and maybe it's because uh i don't know enough about and maybe christian t peterson doesn't know enough about like galactic market economies which why would we it's all made up anyways but i don't know christian t peterson's a pretty smart financial guy but i just feel like there's like a layer missing from like we, we really have to jump the logic a little bit of, like, what we accept from why the Hakan are the way that they are. Well, I mean, they, they're they sort of trying to explain it there, like, with the whole idea that the Lazaks have these, like, embargoes and tariffs. I don't know. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like they, 
the Hakan need the Lazax to fall so they can get a better deal, baby. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, well, it's yeah, just the, not. I do like that there. as a as a justification for why they want out is the idea that like you're embargoing other people, but it directly affects our business, uh, and so it's right. not cool that you're making it harder for us to that would be like that would be like if uh, a maritime law was like a real thing in the world like a very if there were like actively a non uh uh like ground-based nation on our planet of earth and there was just like well there's Mm -hmm. the people with all the boats and you have to use the people with all the boats to get stuff to everywhere else and you and and like the idea that they might get mad that we have put uh, restricted travel for any reason, you know that we, we this, the COVID has made us restrict travel, and the the shipping guild is just going to suddenly have something to say about all of that. Yeah, yeah, I really, I, I really like that uh, that way of putting it. Like the people with all the boats. Yeah, um, Matt, there is a, a fantasy game uh, that I have been sort of prototyping in my head for like ten <laughs> years now, and that is actually one of the elements of that game. Yeah, uh, where there is like literally a player that just has the boats. Yeah. And if you want to use a boat, you got to if you want to take a boat anywhere, you got to you got to talk to this one person yeah. and ask them if you can use a boat because you ain't got none. But they got all the boats. Yeah. Um, which I just think is so funny. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it makes sense because it all it's also kind of that connection to the uh, the spacing guild in Dune. Yeah. It's weird. The more the, the more, you know, I know Rex is literally just Dune, but also it feels like the lore of Twilight Imperium has a lot in common with uh, Dune as far as the different factions. I know you're saying story-wise, this uh, specific era of TI lore feels a lot like Foundation, which is not something I've read. Yeah. But as we touch on each aspect of these factions, they just smell a lot like Dune stuff, just in general. And I wonder how much of that is, like, where's the cart in relation to the horse and all of this? Uh, Was some of this lore written to justify slapping the twilight imperium stuff onto dune and how much of it was present in twilight imperium first second and third edition right um yeah i i think a lot of it is there but i'm sure they are emphasizing points to justify the mechanics of this game which is the mechanics of dune i got a question for you because i cannot remember in rex which faction is supposed to be the fremen analogy because uh, I know what's funny is that's the soul. Oh, weird. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's the I, w- I would say that's the one where they've done the most amount of work in uh, shifting how the storyline works. So instead of it being like mm-hmm. the people native to this planet, the soul are more like they've started bombing here um, instead of a dust storm in Rex. Right. right? Instead of just right. the planet killing things, oh, it is yeah, the yeah, yeah. soul bombardment fleet moving around. And so the soul are the ones kind of actually in control of Mechatol City through subterfuge means, right? So they control an area of the board that they have locked down of Mechatol City for their own and their mm-hmm. goals align with sort of that thing. But yeah, there there are Fremen in this case, but that that is the largest shift from Dune to Twilight Imperium. And I feel like Hakan is maybe the... the Hakan or Barony are probably our least jumps in logic yeah. um, to, to all of this. It just naturally makes sense. And I think it's because those references to uh, Dune were already in there. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that's that's what we're discovering is some of, not all, uh, those factions were 
very much referencing yeah. Dune. Yeah. Um, our, our next one is probably going to also feel a little off because next up we've got Universities of Jolnar who are supposed to be our House Atreides, which... Uh, that, yeah. That oh, right. That's... Yeah, that doesn't make sense. But, uh, but uh, well, I don't know. They're really smart. Maybe yeah, they sure. can see the future with how <laughs> smart they are. Um, it, it does now make sense that, that Jolnar and Sol are working together because they have to be our, yeah. like, our, our Atreides Fremen team up, which right. is, like, I, from what I remember, kind of an effective strategy. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. The universities have been preparing for war since the Grand Headmaster announced his people's abdication before the Emperor's Miraton almost 14 years ago. The resignation came as a surprise to the remaining members of the Galactic Council, since their peaceful annexation into the Empire more than 6,000 years prior, the Hylar of Jolnar had been people that would bend when pushed and retreat when confronted. Resentful, but practical, they placed a patient trust in the Empire's ever-increasing reliance on technologies harvested in the deep laboratories of their oceanic homeworlds. With that influence ever-growing, the universities bided their time. At the height of the recent Quan conflict, when two powerful members of the Galactic Council, the Soul Federation and the Letnev Barony, severed their ties to the Empire, the Jolnar Headmasters carefully observed the Lazak's reaction. When no immediate reprisals or consequences were served upon the rebels, other than harsh words and a few toothless trade embargoes, the Jolnar felt it safe to act. Over the centuries, long desirous uh, of more prominent and powerful place in the galaxy, the Headmasters came to conclude that only the dismantlement of the galaxy's bloated central authority, the Lazix Empire, would allow the Hylar to forge their own destiny among the stars. As the influence of the Jolnar's near-ubiquitous technology spread, their wealth increased by lucrative profit-sharing arrangements with tens of thousands of Jolnar expatriate guilds across the galaxy, each licensed to install and service proprietary technology. No longer a poor and fragile civilization, the Jolnar had ascended to great stature. As Jolnar's abdication, even as they publicly engaged in ancient territorial disputes with the Federation of the Soul, the Headmasters secretly plotted with the humans against their former masters. The clandestine armies aimed in one audacious attack to destroy the central Lazix command structure, perhaps even killing or capturing the Emperor himself, landing a direct blow that would unravel the fabric of the Empire. To this end, teams of Jolnar engineers secretly installed prototype Type 2 mass drives on the Federation's third expeditionary fleet. With this cutting-edge technology, the Soul Fleet was able to circumvent the Imperial Navy's central garrisons and patrols, an absolute requirement to mount a surprise attack against Mechatol itself. As the bombs have begun to fall, the Headmasters intend to unleash their own ambitions on Mechatol Rex and elsewhere. With the setting of the Lazic's sun, they mean to show the galaxy that the Hylar are not to be underestimated ever again. Cool. I like this idea that in this story, the Hylar are kind of the closest you get to good guys if, you, if you're if you kind of on the side of revolution, I guess right, right. you could say. Um, yeah, it's I funny... Because they they later, you know, in, by, by Twilight Imperium, they actually have gained this power they're seeking, right? At this point yes. in the Jolnar star story, they are just being used by the Empire. Um, some lore stuff that will come up later is once the Jolnar rise to power, they start abusing uh, the Embers of Muat, 
um, right. the Gashly to a great extent. So they they eventually find their evil nature. But as of right now, yeah, I would agree they kind of seem like our go to good guys. Right. This is uh, this is I feel like the closest the closest we've got. And and additionally, I mean, like like we've been saying in Twilight Imperium, none of the factions are really positioned as good guys in mm-hmm. any way. Mm-hmm. Um, they all seem to have some pretty hard hardcore problems if i say so myself bro um <laughs> that's what i would say to all yeah. of their their leaders and governments hardcore problems i'm feeling here yeah. not that you know not that i'm one to talk you know living yeah. you know being being in the times that i live um, <laughs> that is <laughs> um jolnar is thematically in this game again kind of weird they're fitting this place of atreides which is just like uh you get to i guess know a lot of stuff i think i feel like the way they framed that is that the jolnar not just oh they're smart but like their technological advancements they're doing the most actual secretly working with other people like hakan and jolnar are the two doing the most like i'll talk to anybody i gotta see what's going on or and right. hakan are doing it for like purely just like monetary gain jolnar are doing it in service of like we're just trying to get ourselves out from under the thumb of the lazax and we right. just we're not necessarily trying to be the new emperors we're just trying to stake our own claim of our stuff um and so yeah. that in that way it all feels somehow noble but also fits with the theming of like i'm in on everybody's plans and whatnot i get to i get to see your components in the game because i've been a part of you helping develop your own strategy for how to handle this uh you you require my technology to pull any of this off for any star wars lore heads it's kind of like the mon calamari like the admiral akbar um uh uh race Uh in star wars where they're like fishy they have uh access to good technology specifically like ships that go fast and then also are uh, hungry for uh, revolution, which I will say, though, the, the thing about Star Wars versus Twilight Imperium is that in this fall of the Lazak scenario, the Lazaks are I feel like are not super well established as like an evil, yeah. like a purely evil thing. Whereas like in Star Wars, they're just Nazis. It's obviously, and it's very bad. easy. You yeah. just see them on screen and you're like, well, those are the bad guys because right. they're right. wearing bad guy stuff um, and they do bad guy stuff. Yeah um i feel like that's nice i like the simplicity of uh of star wars actually in in a lot of ways to think about twilight imperium like expanded universe stuff is interesting because that that is sort of the difficulty in in game it's the advantage of it is everyone's a good guy everyone's a bad guy so any all of us sitting down as a players can take on any persona we want in fiction it's much harder to write a protagonist with those qualities right and to make a story about someone you would root for and i feel like that is going to continue to be the struggle for any fiction the graphic novels that are supposed to come out eventually we don't we don't really have a date on those yet i don't think but there's you know and there's one more tim pratt book but all of them have this slight struggle of like i guess this is our good guy in the story but i i think generally keeping it uh more tightly focused on like singular events is like well okay this person could be doing a virtuous thing and the the goals of the empire don't have to play into it necessarily yeah if anything i remember when we first um when we first read the the first tim pratt book um we were there was a little bit of grumbling of like oh it's just about an individual person it doesn't feel as like tied up in the the uh, inner interstellar politics. Yeah. But perhaps that actually is kind of wise given all the ambiguity of these larger right. um, bodies in uh, in the fiction, because how are you really supposed to get on board 
with any right. uh, Twilight Imperium faction. Right. So it really does have to just be about one person. We prove that person is a, a good person, and right. then you can root for them or whatever. Well, and even within a bunch of these empires, I mean, both in the Lazaks and the Barony Letnev, they talk about the idea that there's fracturing within their own government structure. Like, the right. Barony isn't even agreeing with all the stuff the Barony's doing, and the Lazaks, like, doesn't have a, a true heir to the throne, so they don't know who's in charge, and there's now warring factions within the Lazaks. So it's like, there there's no point in trying to put something in the scope of like oh yes and this empire did this when it's like empires don't just do one thing like that that's sort of the problem of trying to have a major body governance is like it gets pulled in a bunch of different directions and those are hard stories to tell um, and yeah i would much rather read something from like a couple characters perspectives definitely hard stories to tell and definitely hard when you know if you were coming at it from a writing perspective and this is trying to write a story in it inside an intellectual property that you yep. do not own or control. Right. And so, the, and so what you're given is a lot of, I would say, a, um, as far as just the fundamentals go, not necessarily the, the quality of writing. Um, but this is like ambiguity on the level of like a game of Thrones, right. I would say right. is kind of the, where I feel like it, like a very, very good adaptation of Twilight Imperium, I think would feel closer to a Game of Thrones than it would a Star Wars or yes. a Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? It's not, right. you don't go, you don't go uh, hero's journey yeah. with this one. You, right. you kind of just throw all these people together and you say, uh, who's good, who's bad? I don't yeah. know. They're all yeah. gray, you know? Um, I just, I, I feel like that's what it calls for, but that's a, that's a big ass. Right. Uh, you know guess what I mean? Who, guess who also hasn't finished writing Game of Thrones and we expect someone else to just yeah. go ahead and write some Game of Thrones quality stuff. Yeah, that's not right. an easy feat. So, uh, right. It's, it's hard because the, the structure of it, if you don't, so what's really great about a hero and a villain is that, uh, it's simple and you kind of <laughs> get how it works. Right. The idea of writing, you know, something like Game of Thrones where, there are sort of just shades of heroes and shades of villains. And oftentimes the heroes uh, end up being proven foolish or whatever. Right. And then the villains are always sort of correct. It's yeah. an odd uh, uh, morality to it. It feels true though, you know, right. It feels true. <laughs> this bump to uh, George, to I guess. Georgie. Uh, we He's got, a listener, right? He is. Yeah, he listens all, often. Um, if he would stop listening, he might actually finish the books, but we, we put out too many episodes too He often. listens uh, yeah, he listens every week on his uh, his little computer from 1994 <laughs> he's, he's like that old. he writes on. Yeah, he's like <laughs> he's 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 loading up like a GeoCities like version. It takes of, uh, all week for the MP3 file to download, <laughs> but he sits and waits for it and doesn't do anything else. He gets his he gets everything ready and in an order, and he sets up his table of Twilight Imperium so that he can kind of like visualize what we're talking about and it takes and then by the time he finishes it he, he cleans it up and then he's got about four hours before he has to start setting it up and downloading again yeah yeah he doesn't even have headphones for his computer he just has these like really crappy computer speakers from 1994 and like one side doesn't work yeah. so he's always just like turning it up and we're coming in out uh, like all like crackly and like messed up like it's all blown out you know what are can we talking about can we someday I'm gonna, we're gonna record an episode of this podcast in old school style stereo like an old beatles album oh. where like you come in the left headphone and i come in the right headphone and let's see how many people we can piss it. off <laughs> that sounds really fun yeah scrolling i yeah i want to do the uh the white album version of our show <laughs> like what is the space cats peace turtles white album yeah let's do it Oobla all right we got one more faction it's it's <laughs> we got the extra has still not been mentioned at all so let's figure out what the heck oh, is going yeah. on with the extra yeah that's kingdom. weird
Domo Ulan had been greatly saddened by the sudden sour turn of events. The short-sighted attack on Mechatolrex has threatened to undo not only his most important work, but the arduous preparations of his predecessors. Centuries of careful planning, subtle suggestion, wise guidance, and accumulated goodwill, all wasted, all forgotten. Bodiless casualties in the firestorm, the short-lived races have unleashed on this holy place of reason and communion. Instead, events inexorably slide toward that which the extra so ardently have sought to avoid, the interminable darkness and devastation of galaxy-wide civil war. The extra, philosopher warriors, and master diplomats have long recognized the dangerous degradation of stability in the galaxy around them. In the center of this converging vortex sat the progressively flawed rule of the Lazex. The legendary energy and vision of the Imperial race had, after nearly 30 millennia of rule, receded to a state of complacency governed by the blind arrogance of the entitled. Like a dying sun, the Lazix Empire now burned a sullen, uncaring red, its waning heat belying the destructive nova it would set off in death. Tiplerin su tiplatu. <laughs> There's some, like, extra-style <laughs> Latin phrasing here. Yeah, the yeah, ebb fine. and the flow, as one. The istori. Ever true, ever moving. The extra believe those with sufficient patience can, in the history, hear the breathing of the universe itself. At its zenith lies glory and decline. At its nadir, nadir, n-a-d-i-r. That's a normal word. What is that? Yeah, that's a nadir, like a like like a crest, like ah, the yes. the highest point before we go down again. At its nadir, death and rebirth. The extra teach it is not the task of mortals to still or to change the course of the history, but rather it is the responsibility of all sentience to lessen the painful effects of its churning. As the extra came to understand that the end of the Lazix Empire was at hand, they began a tireless work towards its peaceful passing to facilitate uh. a rebirth. What? Sorry, I have to interrupt you because I just realized I actually I accidentally said nadir backwards. Nadir is the lowest the bottom. point, the gotcha. bottom point, not the highest point before a drop. It is the lowest point. Gotcha. The, All right. Uh, 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 the work towards a peaceful passing to facilitate a rebirth that would transition the galaxy into its next Teplirin, a new age. To this end, extra diplomats subtly nudged the Lazics to cede powers to the Galactic Council while they preached patience, patience and compromise to the galaxy's other disparate and increasingly discontented powers. As the Age of Dusk, a time of deceit and selfishness, seethed around them, the extra alone fought to deflect the growing specter of an all-out civil war that loomed ahead. As the nascent civil war now rages across Mechatolrex, Domo Ulan is determined not to let his people's Domorcan, its greatest task, fail. He tells his brethren to resist the voice of savagery calling from the abyss and instead redouble efforts of reconciliation and restraint. Even if the Extra must use their powerful arms and hardened bodies to soften the blows to the galaxy, it must be done. 
Even if the extra should themselves be forced to don the mantle of the emperors, it must be done. For the greater good, it must be done. <laughs> the greater the good. The greater good. <laughs> Clearly a Hot Fuzz reference on purpose. Clearly. Yeah. There's yeah. no other way to explain it. I really like, uh, that was my favorite one. Actually, That's funny because this one feels like the biggest leap too. I don't feel I I, I it's been a long time since I've like read the mm-hmm. extra lore sheet in Twilight Imperium, but all of this like crazy like spiritual stuff and I don't know so the balance of the universe stuff feels. I mean, obviously, extra are our Benny Jesuit. Um, right, in, right. In, in our setting here, but a lot of that stuff did not feel like how I've previously thought of the extra. Maybe I need to go reread it, and maybe this stuff is like perfectly on brand. But. Well, here's the thing, though. No, I I think you are correct. I think it is inconsistent, but they sort of have a, a pretty good excuse built in, which is that this was a long time ago, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's different. And it, clearly it is the way it is because they just need to be as similar to the Bene Gesserit as possible. Right. So we have to kind of work that into their uh, motivations. I think it kind of works. Yeah. I think there's aspects of it that are a little bit weird. Uh, but it's definitely possible that extra could have had like a different attitude to, towards certain things compared to uh, the right now. Um, it doesn't go quite so far as like the Bene Gesserit uh, are like full on, I would say, Illuminati like conspiracy types in uh, in Dune, yeah. I would say. Right. And this doesn't sound quite that. It almost sounds to me a little bit like extras rooting for the home team a little bit. Yeah. And just trying to keep things stable. Yeah, Benny Jesuit are for their st- own benefit, that is. Right. I Benny Jesuit is like doing a lot, but this one almost suggests that they are like just trying to keep the balance of the universe in check. And they're yeah, just trying to right. maintain. And and that's what I'm liking shapes up in all of Rex here is there's what's what's most fun about this lore is the motivations of all of these factions are not identical. Um you know, Hakan is just looking to make a quick buck. Jolnar is trying to make something of themselves, but not necessarily take control of everything. Mm-hmm. Extra is just trying to keep the peace. Like they're not, they aren't even trying to take, take control of any of this. They literally just want everyone to calm down. And then it's really our other three factions that are like our main warring factions. The other three are just playing off of the dynamics of the Lazix, the Soul, and the Letnev. God, what do you think about uh, a adding so I'm, I'm getting back into tinkering again with the game sure um we've talked about this before matt i don't know if we've ever talked about it on the show though uh faction specific like secret objectives right. that you right. receive as an additional object because i really like i mean we sort of have this in pok right now which is the unlocking the commander thing uh-huh. you do a specific thing that your faction is supposed to be good at and then commander unlocks but what if it was a little more than that what if mm-hmm. it was like a, a, an, a, a guac an extra guac you know what i mean <laughs> yeah I, i'm i'm using the term I, the, sure. the, the, ter- the term is it's it's been settled we call it guac it's extra yeah. points but yeah. uh but that was faction specific and there was like a number of them for each faction so you didn't right. always know which one it was that they got you sort of if you had memorized all let's say there are five for each faction yeah. you memorized all of them you would sort of know what to expect um and maybe they're like pretty difficult but you have to just like lean in yeah. to exactly what it is you do in order to uh to make it happen yeah. what do you think about that i think it would be cool especially if they were designed in such a way that sort of like intentionally pull you away 
from normal actions of a game of TI. Like you have to kind mm-hmm. of do something annoying and out of your way to appease the people back home, right? Is the idea. Like this is the right. secret objective of this is the objective of your people, the people that are a part of Ooh, your empire. Okay. You need to yeah. keep them happy too. And they don't just want conquest. They also just want like normal stuff. And so finding those kind of goals. I don't have any idea what that could look like in, in the mechanics of Twilight Imperium, but thematically that's what I would want it to feel like. Yeah. I would like the idea of them being all like really kind of hard too. Like uh something like for like like and and maybe even some of them are kind of in the interest of balance, you know, it's like cause you you're getting a point, but also like what if for Isarl this is not a fun one to start with for this idea, but what if for Isarl it was like discard ten action cards? Yeah. Because right. like Isarl could afford to discard ten action cards in right. many games. And also it would allow it would allow people like me that are getting really tired of Meiji on Biostims right. to sort of say, well, you know, they do have to farm a lot of action cards in order to get that extra right. point if that is, in fact, the one that they drew. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, however, it's not very, it's not that kind of Dane style, like, just give people cool stuff and let them do it thing. Right. This is like a, trying to impede a little bit, but you I, get a point. I think in our made-up time-traveling scenario, we get all the rights in the world to, to completely introduce Ooh. these new kind of things. And if anything, I would say what I want from a restricted, uh, smaller scenario is that the we throw out the normal Twilight, the, more, the generalized Twilight Imperium objectives, we throw them out entirely, and it's all new. Everyone's doing their own thing. You know, if, if the map is tighter and we're all on top of each other, Mm-hmm. Which is sort of the thing of Dune, right? Like Dune, it's just like you can't move around without bumping elbows with everybody else. Um, but we all have actually quite vastly different goals in mind. Yeah. That's what I would want from this. So those secret objectives could be like almost the crux of your entire win condition for each of these factions in game. Um, yeah. But you you have to balance that against what everybody else is working towards. I do like that, actually. Um, that might be a fun thing to throw into the scenario. And we can we could sort of treat it as like because this is uh this is old school uh like you know in the past ti uh each faction is not competing they, they, it's not they're not at a, a point of civilization where they're all working towards the same goals all the time they just all have vastly different goals i love the idea of what, of what you were saying of like everyone is kind of playing to their base like on uh back at the homestead instead of trying to prove themselves as the new emperor of the universe it's more just about like well i'm just trying to make the folks back home happy you know yeah, what i mean right and that can lead you to you know making from from a top-down perspective uh making choices that uh, are just just play into them which yeah. that's that sounds fun that sounds very ti to me yeah yeah okay well we have we have a game show now that we have to do oh, and yeah uh, we are going to fail miserably just want to just gonna go ahead and preface that but absolutely why do you has- say that because uh, I've seen the questions. <laughs> uh, so Absol has six questions for us about uh, things we've learned today. Um, but also some of it assumes we know things uh, about Twilight Imperium that Hunter and I might not be as well versed on as you might expect us to be. Uh, so we'll see. Nah, we'll I'm see very how we smart. Do. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, super yeah. smart, Matt. So uh, first Brain question. the size of a planet. <laughs> first question from Absol. Hunter and me. I, don't, I, we, I haven't seen the answers to this. Um, what is the language spoken throughout the lazax empire oh no this is uh <laughs> we're in the wait, weeds. what we're in the weeds oh, man yeah that's uh, uh, uh um 
I mean, it's just going to be some made up word, right? Sure. It's not going to be, I mean, it, it's not going to be like Spanish, right? Is it like, I mean, <laughs> it's just Spanish. Hey, it turns out <laughs> they speak Spanish. Oh, good job, um, Mark. You nailed it. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be it. So it's going to be some made up word. Here, let's, it, let's actually, let's let's guess good. Sure. We're just going to have to guess, right? I mean, like, my, my first know. thing would be like, is Winarin like a thing? Like the custodian, is, is there some sort of Winarin custodian aspect to it? Probably not because the Winarin come in uh, That seems weird that that's what they would all speak. Right. Yeah, I'm, and yeah, exactly. I'm actually not sure the Winu are around at this point. I haven't read any references to the Winu in, in any of this stuff. I don't, yeah. was there, did you read anything just now with any references to the Winu? I'm not sure. No. No, I don't think. Not I, sure I think the okay. only one that would be worth mentioning is I, I think there's stuff with Vel Sid, which is we haven't talked much about, but is in the the longer story. There's a bunch of Vel Sid stuff of him escaping, and I think Winu has stuff to do with them. No, Vel Sid is the L1 guy. Vel, yeah, Vel the guy that Sid becomes is who yeah. escapes and becomes the L1. That's right. That's yeah. Right, that's right. Yes. So yeah, Correct. I don't know. I genuinely do not know what language uh, we are expecting all of uh, the Lazax Empire. Okay, to speak. okay. So um, so obviously we don't know it. I'm gonna guess though that it is actually just kind of like, like a like not this, but like Lazaxian, yeah, or something. Sure, you know sure. what I mean? Like I I don't even think. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, I think it's I think it's going to be a completely I mean, surely they all just speak whatever the Lazak speak. If right. it's the Empire or or OK, another direction you can go with it or it's something like common or basic. Yeah, right. Something right. like that. Um, One other thought I was to... having is could it just be Mahakt? Like, could it just be like the, like the ancient empire from before even them? There's a leftover that's common the from the Mahawkin language. Uh, I don't want to consider that possible. If, yeah. if it's that one, then I, I think we don't even give ourselves partial credit. Sure. Um, but I, I think we got to choose between these two options, and I want to give ourselves partial credit because we're the ones grading it too. Sure, so sure, sure. If we, um, do we want to go with common slash basic, something like that? Yeah. Or yeah, I, I, Lazaxian? I, I, I don't think it's Lazaxian. I think that's too on the nose, and I think it's some form of common. Whatever well, yeah, my guess wasn't be. exactly Lazaxian because sure. I bet it'll be more creative word than that. But yeah. All right. Let's go with something like common or basic or whatever. I let's guess see what next it... week errata will be us getting the answers to this. I don't I don't have I don't I haven't seen oh, what actually posted like the actual answers here. Uh, Are you serious? I, I I haven't seen it yet. I She's leaving. Uh, but us I want to know. OK, I'm well, not even going to remember. The, let's like. While 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 we're continuing to record, I will message Absol and be like, "Hey, can you send us the answers?" Okay. Um. So, what's the next question? So then? the next one, this one, I do know, and we'll see if you you know it, because I'm the one who's actively reading this stuff. It might be harder for you as just listening to uh to get on top of this one. But uh, question number two is, what is the star of Mechatol Rex's system? What is the what's what star does Mechatol Rex uh, orbit. It was said a few times in all of this, but you know, it's it's a thing that I'm just kind of glazing through as I read it. I think I missed it, but like, give me give me two seconds. Give me two. I'm I'm not looking anything up. I just wanted to <laughs> check one thing real quick. Not looking anything up. Not looking anything up. I just had an idea of where. It uh, might, you know, might be hanging out. Could be. Um, nope. Um, I yeah, I don't. Or ooh, we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. Uh, you're gonna look at the Mechatol Rex planet card. No, no, <laughs> no. I would not do Wouldn't that, dare. Matt. That's not something that I would do. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. What is it called? The answer is Gull. 
G-U-L, the goal system. At one point, Goal. one of these things mentioned uh, the the satellites of Goal uh, in in oh. all these things, and the the story mentioned the the longer story mentions it as well. But yeah, um, the the Type Two mass drives furtively entered the Goal system and commenced their historic attack on Mechatol Rex. That makes sense. Um, wh- why Goal though? I know I Mechatol Rex is a reference to Camelot, but Goal. What, what is, is that goal? a reference to? Yeah. Oh, you know, the That's famous lug, famous lug, lug time. <laughs> uh, number three, how do we know a long time passes between the bombing of Mechatol and the invasion of Archon Tau? So the, Ar- the invasion of Archon Tau is an event in Exchaw's Twilight Imperium history, which is the Barony of Letnev invaded Archon Tau. That's... That's some information right off the top. So is there a way, is there a specific way we know a lot of time has passed from these events to the invasion of Archon Tau? Is there a way that we know that there's been a lot of time in between? Um, uh, Do you know this, Matt, at all? Uh, I only know because I cheated uh, and I read, I reread some of the extra uh, sheet. So if you want the answer, I can, I can. Okay, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. I have a very good guess. Okay. Because people are older have gotten older <laughs> yeah there's, so, there's a that part it? where they mention specifically domo uron's graying hair and in this one his sprightly personality of young age uh no it is not that um oh best, i actually thought i had gotten it right i, you, I don't I, think so the best i have is there is mention of um extra knowing that Archon Tau was going to be under attack by the Barony of Letnev, but they would only do that after they had to deal with their military exploits elsewhere. And the beginning of Rex in the Barony thing, they're, they're specifically saying, like, we just now have to go abandon everything else we're doing so that we can attack Mechatol. So obviously, ah. Barony needs to attack Mechatol for a while. Now, I don't think that's an answer as to why uh, we know a lot of time has passed, but there's definitely yeah. a way to know some time has passed between the two events. I can, it, it's just every time we do one of these lore episodes, I'm like, I can't believe how much is actually there. Like, it's, there's so much, yeah. I feel like. Wow. Ooh, okay. Coming at us hot live. Absol is giving us some answers. So first, what is the language spoken through the Lazax Empire? Univoca. U-N-I-V-O-C-A. We basically got it. We basically got we it. We basically got it. That, that's like the exact Uni, type universal, of thing. Universal vocal, voca. We, yeah. I'm giving us full points for that because yeah, yeah, we yeah. we nailed it. Sure. Uh, apparently it is in the final of the, uh, final days in an empire story uh, while Gil is initially describing Scar. So if you listen to the counterpart episode to this, you will at some point hear them mention Univoca. Number two, what is the name of Mechatorex's star? Gull. We got that. We knew that. Um, and she's sending me three right now. Let's move on to number four, and we will get these answers as I receive them live from Absol. Uh, four. Uh, and Hunter, you will not get this one because you have not read the main story yet, I don't think. And they didn't say in this thing. But besides four arms, what other unique physiological feature do the Lazaks have? Well, you said they were bipeds. Yeah. Um, which feet. is not. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty notable, you know. Yeah. Having two feet, super pretty, important. Uh, so weird. It's very <laughs> weird. It's kind of an interesting. Whoa, two feet. That's crazy. Who's got two huh. feet in this universe, man? What else do they have going on? I know they have big ears. Yeah, that go out to the side. Big wacky ears. Um, I can tell you what they look like. They wear. You were saying they wear crowns. Yeah. 
So their crown sort wearing. Of, I don't know this weird headdress thing. I, I don't know, man. They got they got goofy something or other. Oh uh, yeah, some sort of like ornamental horns. My or my best guess to the answer of this is early in the scenario or early in the the short story, they talk a lot about uh, Lazax can survive without food for a long time, but definitely can't survive without water. So there's like this desperate, desperate need for constant water, but that mm -hmm. food they can survive on just like a wafer a day or whatever. Like they can they can get by without food. If that's what we're talking about in terms of physiological features then that's my answer but it might be some other like actual like physical characteristic i don't know i don't know what absol's going for yet mm, maybe so maybe the answer is like they've got cool tummies like <laughs> stomach wise it's pretty cool um yeah i, I that sounds fine to me yeah, yeah it also yeah. could be ears though could just be the big ears that they're so big, big. ears big ears cool absol's uh, trying to test if we actually look even looked at it at all yeah you know uh, next up is one that we we won't specifically remember, but we will remember being mentioned, which is what is the Xchaz term for what the Lazax Empire is currently experiencing? There were all sorts of funny words thrown out in the Lazax. Uh, so this was thing. in the Xcha uh, yeah. sheet, yeah. probably. So um, there was there was Teplerin su Tepletau, which is just the ebb and the flow, uh, as one the e-story that kept coming up is that what it is there's the e-story or they would transaction the galaxy into its next tepleren a new age it must be that one right tepleren a new, a new a, age Nah, a new age would be like after this is over you know i think it's the ebb and the flow one to be honest yeah because the that sounds like you know, it's like it's like unstable. It's shaky. You know, it's yeah. like things are weird. Things are not weird. I I, th I think that one sounds the most right to me. History just sounds like history with no age. Right. So. And it's and it's like the ongoing of everything, like just the constant events. So yeah. my answer I is mean, I guess it could be the new age thing. But then I feel like the new age is where we're going, not where we're at. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm going I'm going to give my answer is uh, to Plarin. So. We'll see. Uh, she's typing quite a lot. I guess she wants very detailed answers for us that we will get. But we're nearing well, the end of our quiz. Sorry, Absol. We we failed already. Yeah, if you we wanted, definitely failed the quiz. Yeah, yeah. This is we showed up not having done the homework. Yeah. Not having studied for the test, and we're just trying to use our brains to guesstimate, essentially. Holy cow! Okay, her answer for number three. How did we know a long time passes between the bombing of Mechatol and the invasion of Arkantau? Okay. All right. First off, Absol, you played this game with the wrong two buckaroos because uh, this is you are on some next level stuff here. Uh, oh, do we do we do we take a point away from Absol? Is that what we do? Like the answer was too complicated. It is disqualified that it, we strike that question from the quiz. The answer was too complex. Here's, you did not say it needed to be in the form of an essay. Absol, yeah, yeah. it was not an essay question. Here's here is her answer multiple possible answers but the main <laughs> hint is that there are different barons from different lineages baron vlos samrak the 18th or the the 17th at the time of the bombing and baron daz Arokan the first at the time of the invasion of archon tau okay so the barons one, are one different, is from the so. barony Letnev faction sheet in rex and the other is from the extra kingdom faction sheet and we were looking in the right places I would yeah. say we just didn't we, we didn't get the right information. We knew where to look. I will say this sometimes whenever Absol and 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 Airdane too, I'll include them both in this. When they start talking about this, I start kind of wondering, and this is just between me and you. I start thinking, 
are they just making all this stuff up like are they like are they sort of like shadow taking over the yeah. the writing of the lore and just being like no there's actually a lot of detail here yeah i found it in a secret place that you don't know about and it's on my computer and it's a word document that says ideas for twilight imperium lore <laughs> that's where i found it uh here's our answer for number four besides four arms what other unique physiological features did lazix have uh, i was wrong it is that lazix have two hearts which is Double uh, revealed very, near the very end uh, of like, the final days of an Empire short story, like a Time Lord, like yeah. Doctor, like Doctor Who, my favorite Doctor. Oh, <laughs> Doctor Who! If only we ever got their first name. <laughs> uh, our final question in this quiz is: Who was visiting the Emperor at the time the bombing occurred? I don't think there's any way for you to know this, and I literally haven't finished reading the main storyline myself to uh, to probably get the correct Who's answer. Who's visiting? I would so want to say Velcid, but Velcid has already fled. But there's some mm -hmm. person that is visiting the Emperor at the time of the bombings. And there's not there's no references to custodians when are when are custodians in mm -hmm. no. Okay, so they're probably not they're they're probably out. Yeah. What if it? For some reason, I want to say an extra yeah. person right? could be visiting. Wait, was it in the extra lore? Was there a thing in the extra lore? Was it? Was it Domo Ulan? Uh, let's see. The short side attack on Mechatorax had threatened not undo, blah, 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 blah. Hmm. I'm not sure it's him. I don't think it's him. It might be an extra, but I don't think it's that extra. I mean, I, I would be happy if we got it, if we at least identified it as being an extra right you know right that would be pretty cool to just nail that yeah. part of it let's see if i just open the end of the story if i can see any yeah um, that's what I'm, I'm quickly scrolling through to just see if i get any names thrown out there. i mean we're just we're, now we're just uh cheating exactly yeah. but whatever what is the name of the emperor what's uh, the emperor's name salai Sycorion. corion okay i'm looking for that mm, not really seeing Ooh, that name hunter what? What? Uh, the answer to the extra is to Plarin, the ebb of the universal cycle, the death and I, rebirth. I'm a good guesser. You gotta, <laughs> seriously, I'm a good guesser. I just, yeah, that's. It's the first half of that, which I guess is the word that you, it is, it's both. It's it's a new age to Plarin, a new age to Plarin su teplatau, the ebb and flow. Hunter, we were both right somehow. We did it. Oh, so it was just the word to Plarin, yeah. which is in both of those terms. In both of those terms. It's just that. Oh, okay. We were, right, if we, we were talked to right. each other a little bit more, we would have found that. We would have found that as our, as our uh, consensual answer. Well, I was just assuming that to Plarin was just like a word for age or uh -huh. uh, uh, an amount of time. Yeah. So I, I thought we were being asked, what is the specific right. name for that amount of time? Right. You know, right. Uh, maybe, maybe that was an incorrect assumption. Yeah. Um, I'm still just gonna say I think I, I got a feeling it's 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 some extra guy. Some extra I don't care, guy. I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I th I think I, I think that's just the best guess I've got because in the in all of the story stuff that we've learned today, it feels like the extra are actually the closest yeah. to the Lazax. Right. Everyone else is not on their side, so why would they be visiting? You yeah. know. Yeah. And it says visiting. Visiting is that's a verb that suggests a kind of. Uh, knowledge i guess it could also just be like a different lazax person but if that's the answer then i don't know who cares know, really. <laughs> right yeah my, my fear is that it's like one of our main characters there's four main characters in this mm -hmm. thing um and i feel like if it's just one of them i don't actually care that much uh, so in the story these these four characters are all lazax though yes yeah okay 
So yeah, it could be it could be one of the four of them. Um, when are we? Hmm. Senior staff was visiting. That's the that is that the answer? Is it a bunch of people? They were having on the eve of every tenth rotation, the emperor would host a festive gathering for the empire's persona vitalis. Senior staff, the greater nobility, and the highest ranking of the ambassadors to the Galactic Council would mingle casually across the entirety of the palace. Nah. It's got to be like an individual, yeah. you know? Otherwise, like, the question is... Just, right. Yeah, What's I mean... Point? Yeah, they're friends of the family. Friends <laughs> of the family. <laughs> could, could say that about a lot of people, final visits. Oh, no! Guess what? 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 She Here's a trick question. This happens at the same time as the events of Rex and final days of an empire, but it is not mentioned in those sources. It is Faramon Oz. Hunter, you idiot, Faramon Oz. The first is... Gashly to contract the empire and Muat's envoy asking for help with fighting the Hylar off Muat, as uh, revealed in Shattered Empire lore. Oh. Wow. Well, that was fun. I like that the answer was none of the above and a more interesting answer than yes. we could have come up with. The Gashly, more interesting. I wish that there was uh, a cartoon or an uh, or an anime. Make it, oh, it, an anime of Twilight Imperium. Mostly just because I want to see the Gashly move around. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I need to know what that they're, looks like. They're giant <laughs> sort of egg egg-shaped creatures yeah and i just want to throw that at an animator and yeah. say here you go buddy figure it out make a move you know what and i want like an animator rolling to around like i Humpty want an Dumpty. animator to decide that actually what we've never seen in the art so far is actually gross little spider legs come out of the bottom of the egg and they walk around oh. on spindly creepy oh, spider legs the stuff of nightmares wouldn't that make you just hate the muat all of a sudden <laughs> Oh, well, you know, I already sort of do. Um, but yeah, well, that was fun. I'm glad I, I knew we were going to just get slaughtered in the uh, yeah. in the quiz, but yeah. I'm glad I'm glad there were a few things we were able to into it. Yes, we nailed that first one. We, we nailed that first question. I don't care it. that we didn't get the word right. We right. nailed it. Yeah, we. I'm going to say we got one and two and uh you i mean you said people are older i'm gonna say we get three we got i'm giving us three uh but we were definitely wrong on four we got hey you know what we got four out of six sort of <laughs> hey we totally got four out of six which is like a c maybe yeah. a c plus yeah. depending on how you break it down yeah. but yeah pretty good we're passing this class okay <laughs> we're passing this we're class. not retaking it that's for sure oh no and in fact uh lore heads you have been served, okay? <laughs> Enjoy your lore. Uh, we'll see you in time, two years. The next time a lore episode is requested, I'm literally just inviting Absol and Airdane to take over the show for a week, and you and I are going on high, like going on Why vacation. Not? Why not? We're just the wrong... <laughs> they'll give you I'm a just... better episode. Like, they'll do yeah. it better than we would. Yeah, we're the we're the wrong people for this uh, particular job. Turns out we're just here for the game. What, yeah. do, you, what do you know? Yeah. Um, do Quick review of... The Dune film that has been out for a oh, while. Do okay. you want to do that? Uh, yeah, review. here we go. Here's my review of the Dune film. Oh, that was some of Dune. Oh, that's my review. Of, that's <laughs> exactly the bit I was going to do. Well, here, here, I'll, I'll phrase it a different way. We'll do the same bit, but I'll, I'll have a different take on it. Dune the movie is like a movie you would make after reading Dune. <laughs> Which is good. I know a lot of uh, for a lot of people that is exactly what they yeah. wanted. 
uh, I find it to to be just you, Dune, which is you great. Can't I'm glad say there's that. a Dune now. You can't say that about David Lynch's Dune, so it's no. got that. <laughs> no, not quite. Well, David Lynch's Dune, it's, it's as if you were David Lynch yeah. and you read Dune, and then you had... Not enough time to make Dune. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. they were like, and "Listen, I've never, all right, I, I've never seen Jodorowsky's Dune, so I don't know anything about that." Well, that doesn't. Oh, you mean the the the, the uh, documentary? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a great documentary. You should watch it. It's like it. That's the best Dune adaptation. It's just the idea of uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I said that right. Uh, doing Dune. Uh, that that movie is hilarious and amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably the it's probably the greatest movie that wasn't made uh thing that you can find because yeah. it like it's sort of yeah i don't know anyways that that documentary is fascinating you should totally go see it um dune also you should see dune uh, if you haven't seen uh yeah, see Vill- it's pretty good the i don't closest we'll I ever get like to a twilight as... imperium movie right probably so. <laughs> it probably is um i will say this i feel like i don't like it as much as other people yeah and i will have conversations with people who are really stoked about it and then they will they, they will sense that I am, and, and my only thing about Dune, this is the only negative I will say, and, and this, is, this is not a spoiler, because this is, you already know this, hopefully, and, mm-hmm. and if you don't, you will know it the second the movie starts, it's in the title card. This is just the first part of yep. Dune, yeah. and in that way, I feel like I cannot evaluate it fully. Exactly. Um, it is that type of split story. I am more where, excited for part two, and part two could make part one better. Yes. Exactly, yeah. and it also could make part one worse. Yeah, <laughs> it could make the the part two ness of it could yeah. make the whole project to me suffer in some ways, as far as the script and the characterization. Yeah. Obviously, there are some things that are unimpeachably good about it, like the the art direction and the yeah. special effects, especially the special effects. It's yeah. like it's nice to see somebody uh, making a special effects movie uh, that uh, can exercise some amount of restraint. Yeah, like. When when the uh, when the CG team is not trying to make everything look cool all the time, right. uh, things do tend to look very cool. You know, yeah. the wings of those freaking uh, orno- ornithopters, very the cool. wings of the ornithopters, very 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 cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I do, Overall, I do wish. I, I think the cinematography was fine, but man. Yeah. Uh, I was excited. I wanted uh, some Blade Runner 2024 vibes. And I mean, 2049, 20, whatever. What did I say? 2024 yeah. doesn't whatever. matter. Yeah. The point being, we didn't get that. And I don't know. We, this is not a movie podcast. Hey, guess what? Hey, well, hey, but, but real quick though. I mean, I knew you, you had to know we weren't getting that because we didn't have yeah. Roger Deakins exactly. this time around. If yeah. you don't have Deakins, you don't get Deakins. So that's yeah. part of it. That's just, that's, I have that tattooed on me if you, you don't have deacons, deacons you don't get deacons you, you don't get deacons um i wish i don't know well I, somebody should hit him up like why were you not interested in this project he yeah. definitely could have worked on it i'm sure there's right. no way that he couldn't have worked on it if he had wanted to so why was he not interested in doing dune i guess instead i saw 1917 that was the last movie i saw that mm-hmm. deacons uh did cinematography for and i'll tell you the cinematography really carried that that one. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't I, say I still haven't seen 1917, but uh, hey, here I'll, I'll well. expand just slightly more on my review of Dune. Uh, yeah, the part of Dune I most I am most interested in is the unfilmable part of Dune. Yes, me so too. So I also went into this with absolutely <laughs> no expectations. I like the stuff yeah. inside people's heads, 
And guess what you can't do in movies? Uh, right. Be inside people's inner thoughts in any meaningful way. So I do uh, I do feel like they navigated that difficulty sure. quite well for, for what has been filmed. But they were but never yeah, going I, to do the crazy overlapping of intentions and subterfuge and, and all and betray all of that. They're, yeah. They were never going to accomplish that in a meaningful way. You would need way. a room full of, uh, in, of basically the greatest actors of all time. Yeah. And the most intense close-ups you can manage right. to possibly portray that level of inner life. Yeah. Uh, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it could have been a really fun scene. Imagine a scene where you, you've kind of written out all of these inner thoughts and no VO. Right. You can't use voiceover to do it. Right. So it's just, like, it's just a series. So, it's a dinner scene, series I, of tight shots. I have yeah. exactly that scene for you. It's already been done, and it's in season two of Succession. Uh, so oh, go watch yeah. season two of Succession. There's a dinner party, and guess oh, what? Oh, you're so That's right. That's Dune. That's the yeah. best part of Dune, and it's in Succession. Whoops. They already done did Dune, <laughs> and it was in Succession season two. That's a good show. Hey, I um, want to thank all our weird bears. Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish, yeah. Emu, Brassbird, Brian, Kaluan, Son of Leto, Astoria, Alice, Ms. Luft, M. Lashevsky, uh, Sunfax, Absol Arways, Fancy Zeeling, and T.G. Welch, and I want to thank our little Peace Turtles, Patience, It's a Virtue, my son is also named Bor, Anvilier, Sturmy Sturm, Boo Poo, Dober Huawa, Frank G, Gazkio, Goondock, Rekka, Colonel, Naderade, Rolo, Uncle Batty, and Teddy's Jam for you. There is that, there's the, the triumvirate of yeah. the, the little peace turtles there. <laughs> Sturmy Sturm, Boo Poo, and Dober Hua Hua yeah. are, oh man. I'm ready for that game with the three of oh, them. <laughs> so lovely. What a lovely gift those, those three have given us every week. Starmy Sturm, Boo Poo, Dober Hua Hua. Uh, everyone else in the Little Peace Turtles, feel free to upgrade your username. Uh, my son is also named Bort. You are banned from the upgrade. Teddy's Jam for you. You are banned from the upgrade. Everybody else, your names are great, but you could do better. Go wild. You're, Go you're competing wild. with Boo Poo over here. Come on. Boo Poo and Dober Hua Hua. <laughs> Um, just to remind everybody again, even though we've already talked about it, tournament, tournament four invitations are coming out this week, Saturday, December 4th at 20 o'clock UTC, 2000 UTC. Mm -hmm. Get in there. The faster you get in, the more you ensure yourself the buy round to the, to the prelims, uh, unless that isn't even going to be possible because there might be so few people that even get that, whatever, get in, make it, make it snappy. Uh, so that we have all of you locked in and then we can start planning this dang thing because it's gonna take all year. Yep. Um, please continue to send us this Imperium Life stories to spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. Whatever you got, we're kind of back in a story phase. I'm hoping we're gonna um, bring play of the week back. We're not gonna do it this uh, yeah, we're this not doing week, it this week because we I yeah I just read six uh, short fictions yeah. to you. Uh, so nah. give me give me nah. this week off, but we will definitely have play of the week next week. It's an hour. Also, this I mean, we're pushing hour fifty right now as far as the recording goes. Um, Galactic Council, uh, we do not have another poll for you just yet. We'll get you one next week, I promise. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Homebrewers Guild, I have some announcements. So we've been working on strategy cards. There's a lot of exciting stuff in there. Love it a lot. Um, do not have time to do a Homebrewers Guild game on schedule. Yep. So I am. I'm very sorry. I'm gonna kick it down the road to uh, December whenever I get back to Arkansas then I will do it because my time in my little studio space I have right now is limited and it is hard to make things happen for me right now and I'm really sorry about that um, it is 
not my i would say it's not my fault actually no, i'll just say that it is i'm not trying to be weird about it but it's not actually my fault um i now the person whose fault it is i can't you know they're you have no recourse against them yep. to be honest um so let let's continue with strategy cards if you have more ideas um but i want to throw something else into the mix so that we have a double we're gonna do two uh we're gonna do two components for the coming homebrewers guild game and for the second component i want to do and i've been holding on to this one for a while we did public objectives very early on in this experiment and i specifically said no secret objectives because i think it's a really fun component to do so let's go ahead and do secret objectives Throw out your secret objectives. Yeah. We'll do strategy cards and secret objectives together. It's going to be a wild game. Probably uh, game-breaking in more so than uh, Homebrew Factions was, yeah. uh, in my opinion. And it'll happen uh, late December, uh, probably around the time of the Holiday Spectacular. So get ready yeah. for that. I liked the idea that you teased, too, that this might be the, the season finale on Component yes. Homebrewers Guild. And that 2022 Homebrewers Guild gets to get weird weirder yeah. and weirder stuff that's true we i i will this this year has been about components and having fun with them shaking them up uh, i am more interested in the new year having the homebrewers guild being something that is working on an ongoing project yeah. that we are kind of checking in with every month i would love if 2022 homebrewers guild and we end that year with like a this is like a codex, essentially, that we made. An unofficial Space Cats Beast Turtle sponsored thing that we all worked on uh, the entire time. Yeah. So get ready for that. Of course, the, every, every year we like to do a little Patreon shakeup, so I'm sure we'll have um, stuff like that for each yeah. tier. Although we sort of just did that with the Galactic Council, so I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you should expect that. Hey, uh, also, please give this show a rating if you would. We'd love it. Five stars does a lot for us in terms of visibility of the show. You can also go to our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com, for information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, our merch. There's a new shirt up. The new oh shirt God. is live. It is the Titans of Ol by way of Mobile Suit Gundam. It's the coolest thing we've ever done. It's, and we didn't yeah. do it. Sun Sanders made it for us, of course. Our amazing artist, Sun Sanders. Um, and hey, if you want to support that artist, go buy that shirt because that money uh, is, is supports the amazing work that Sun does. So please show support by buying that freaking shirt. It rules yeah. so hard. Yeah, mostly mostly the goal of our merch is to um, is to pay the artist for making it. That is actually mostly the point of it. Yeah. Um, and the the Titan shirt. I mean, you yeah, you got to look at it. We did. Yeah. We did a lot of work on figuring out what, what kanji would be appropriate yeah. as well. Something that would look right and then also sort of make sense. Although I know it doesn't totally make sense Yeah. Um, for the logo. It has like kind of this stylized logo in the same way of Mobile Suit Gundam. And then, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a Titan wearing a little Mobile Suit Gundam hat. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's darn, it's cute and it's cool at the yeah. same time. It yeah. rules. I love it. Yeah, it's a perfect shirt. And I am very excited to get more stuff like that. That's been the kind of stuff we want to get. Uh, more onto our our threadless and whatnot is like custom designs for for the ti fan on the go yeah for the ti fan on the go and i know y'all are always on the go and hey i am too uh, i'm moving across the country um pretty wild uh also uh new york city uh twilight imperium league Ooh, yeah. uh, prepare me prepare we're sorry <laughs> Prepare you. Prepare for me. Uh, Prepare my spot at the table. RY's brought up a great thing. The last super cool thing that the TI uh, NYC crew did was that all Winu game from base game. 
Yeah. And it's absolutely, with P.O.K., it is very much time for an all-Winu P.O.K. Everybody oh does God. Imperial in the final round. Everybody has a swing round. That's <laughs> like, so ridiculous. <laughs> everyone That's has so plus ridiculous. two on Mechatol, Legendary Planets, and their home. It's a race to home. pop the hero in round five. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just a race to pop the hero. Whoever pops it first wins. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. So Got leadership it. wins in round five. Yeah. Or maybe even round four with Winu. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, hey, uh, fun to do. Uh, like the show. Uh, gonna keep doing it, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's good. I, think I, I hope so. I'm gonna re-up. I'm yeah. gonna re-subscribe. <laughs> re-subscribe to, to I, host duties for Space Cats Peace Turtles. I'm gonna continue doing this show. Yeah. I have decided. I'm gonna you know, abdicate. I, I'm gonna abdicate my throne. Ooh, who are you gonna give your spot to? Uh, Absol. You know what? I want to say this. Absol came out to a comedy show. Um, it was... a. Uh, Absol said uh, that it was a lot of fun, but uh, for me, it was a challenging show. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was a toughie because it was. Goes. <laughs> yeah, uh, comedy is uh, either very easy or kind of an impossible task. I love the way um, that you described that show, which was that it is as if the viewers thought it was a stage play where they were not supposed to laugh during the performer's performance and then would clap after the performance as though they then yeah. did a very you did a good job that was wonderful a wonderful right. performance i could not dare to interrupt you with my uh annoying laughter while you were performing that that would throw you off your groove yeah it the it was part of this festival called the haha ha harvest festival that hopefully will keep happening every year um it's a good festival and i know the people that run it and they work very very hard but even they would admit that essentially this whole thing kind of came together last minute so it just had this like weird uh -huh. uh, feel to it um and i was like hosting it and uh yeah it, it 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 the crowd their expectations did not quite get set correctly which is uh, partly my fault i will accept some <laughs> responsibility for that one i it was i was uh, i was, uh, it was a, little, a little tough it was a little tough it's kind of hard i was feeling a little like uh, i don't know and uh my life is uh, so weird right now that anytime i do comedy it's actually uh i probably shouldn't be doing comedy actually to be to be honest, I should probably. Uh, well, Hunter, what you're going through is just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at BenPruntyMusic.com and BenPrunty.Bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>